It is 2021, everybody. My name is Matt Brown. You want to live in this lousy world? Play it cool. Today is an awesome day. Tonight is an awesome night. Good vibes all in all. Obstacles will be overcome. And I just want to say this. Let's start the show. But to be the man, you got to beat the man. And I'm saying, woo, right here. Happy New Year. Hope everybody is great for the very first week of 2021. It is time to improve ourselves and make ourselves even better, overcome obstacles, and become better than we were in 2020. 2020 is gone and forgotten. We will learn from it to only make ourselves even better. What's up, everybody? I am your host of the Productive Conversations podcast. My name is Matt Brown. I hope everybody is swell. I had quite an enjoyable New Year's Eve slash birthday. You know, of course, being safe and doing the right thing. Thank you so much for the amazing people who have reached out to wish me a happy birthday. And thank you to the amazing listeners and fans of the Productive Conversations podcast who have stayed loyal as we begin to grow the show. And now it's 2021 and let us make some big moves out here. And how am I going to start that? We start it with a profound guest. Who is that profound guest? Gabriel Mills. You guys are about to have one of the best experiences you could ever have on a podcast. That is because you get to listen to the wisdom, wit, and incredible demeanor of Gabriel Mills. This guy was a former roommate of mine. He truly is like an older brother I never had. I have two younger brothers and they are two of my best friends in this world. I never had an older brother. And Gabe Mills is the closest I've ever had to having an older brother. He's always there for me when I need it. He knows how to lead me in the right direction. And what he has done with his life so far, going from New Rochelle, New York, to destroying it and being awesome at the University of Hartford. And now he is an Ivy League student in Yale's art graduate program that is how damn awesome this dude is and he is so creative in what he does he's so inspiring a major influence to every single person whom he is blessed enough to accept in his world and anyone who has met Gabe Mills and talked with him knows how special of a man this guy is so having said all that I am very very honored to bring this man on the Productive Conversations podcast. And we're about to have an amazing experience, everybody. So, Gabriel Mills, it's your turn. Let us enjoy this experience. Here we go. All right, guys, seriously, my guest honestly needs no introduction, but. This is truly one of the greatest people I've met in my life. And I'm not trying to be corny or bullshitting. This this guest is such an influence, such inspiration, such a hard worker. And honestly, he will forever be one of my influences the rest of my life next to my family. This guy, I have so much respect. And when I, when I made this podcast, I knew one of the goals that this guy had to come on. Because honestly... 
his work ethic has inspired me to make this podcast as best as it can be. So with all that, I am so honored to have this guy on. This is one of the greatest people on planet Earth ever. This is none other than the very talented Gabriel Mills. What's going on, Gabe? How are you? Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. I appreciate that introduction. Thank you, man. I'm doing good. The sun is out. I'm alive. You know, I always say when I wake up, for me, that's further affirmation that I'm supposed to be here. So every day I wake up, I could have died in my sleep. You know, I could have woke up, not made it to the studio, but I'm here. So since I'm alive, I know that there's a purpose, just me being alive in general. So everything is great. It's as good as it could be. And the sun is out. And I have water. You feel me? And I have a studio. And I have paint. And I have a friend to talk to. So what what more could I ask for right now? We good. And that's what I'm saying. Stuff like that just just creates good vibes and such a work ethic for me. And and just being the best person I can be is because of my great friend Gabe Mills. And as we see to start it off. And um, I try to make my studios cool, too, with this podcast. And we have your studio. So first, I'd like to, to um, introduce you to the great listeners of the Productive Conversations podcast. Gabe Mills is a artist. He is specifically an illustrator and painter, if I'm correct. No more illustrator. I studied illustration. Studied I studied illustration in undergrad, but... It's really just painter, artist, illustrator. I'm not opposed to the term, but that's not the discipline that I've been a part of, but that is the thing that I studied Sweet. when I was an undergrad. Yeah. So at this moment, so you did your undergrad, and can you tell, I know where you are, but oh, well, let me say, Gabe Mills is, in, is at Yale University, and he is uh, studying for his master's at Yale, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, my MFA, yeah. And you'll get your MFA from Yale University. So I have my first ever Ivy Leaguer right here. And this man, and, and so painter, so that's your thing. You'll get your MFA in painting? Yes, painting. And rise the rakes as being a great painter, which you already are, and already well before that, just uh, another option to gain some more knowledge and, um, yeah. and strengthen your craft. Uh, I get you. Yeah, man. All right. So look at this, man. And my man sells paintings. He's learning from the best. And like, wow. Look look at this. So why don't we first things first, we get into your artistry background. So, Gabe, what are you working on right now with painting? And can I just say, you know, if, if, before we get into it, where can we find your work most of all? We can find it on your Instagram or stuff like that. So the internet, I, I, don't, I don't like the internet really, but I know I, I have a love-hate relationship with the internet because I know, especially during a pandemic, it'll be difficult for people to, to see my work in person. And with that, I've been trying to think of ways to negotiate my relationship to the internet platforms that I don't really like too much, such as Instagram or websites and things of that nature. Not to get too long-winded to answer the question, most of my work, you could find it on on my website, gabrielmills.com, or on Instagram. I, I post things occasionally, but it's, it's, really, it's really not optimal 
optimal. You know, there's it's it's compromised so much. There's there's a dense materiality in the work that is never experienced the same way online versus in person, but also just online. I just don't show too many things. There's a certain it's, it's just not having hasn't been my thing, but we're working on it. We're working on it. I hear you. So um, but OK, great, great. And we could just find your stuff at GabrielMills.com and we could find where you're at in this world, uh, whether in New What I will or... say, if anybody is interested in speaking to me, email me. We could work something out. Great. What's that? What's that email? This is GabrielMillsArt at gmail.com. If anybody wants to see other things I'm working on that, you know, I, don't, I might not have online or something like that, just email me. We'll talk. Great, great. So um, having said that and transitioning back to our original question, what have you been working on with uh, your work right now? Um, what you've been working on? I want to ask you a question. Okay. When you, when you say, what am I working on? What does that mean to you? So at this moment in time, are you working on any projects, any paintings, any showings? Um, anything to get ready for 2021 and beyond what are you working on in that sense like after this podcast yeah. are you gonna um uh start grinding on something pause i'm always i'm always working but mm-hmm. what i wanted to okay. say i want to get into the the root of the question and i'm not trying to be difficult there's just a, no no i encourage it I'm, I'm interested in the premise of this when you ask that question do you have a certain expectation of what i'll respond with not at all. Um, whatever the answer is, the answer, uh, no matter who I'm talking with. And um, I'm always interested to see how what people are doing with their time and uh, yeah. whether it's to make themselves better, make their craft better, make um, maybe some people are just working for their family or loved ones. I'm interested to see what uh, simply people are up to. And um, all questions, I'm, I'm ready for all answers and I encourage the best type of answers, no matter what. And now... The next question, what is right now? What does that mean? I would say today, when I'm referring to what you're working on right now, I'm usually referring today. Um, and that the very moment, uh, if we're talking about what you're doing right now, what are you planning on this Sunday? Like I said, what after this podcast, are you going to be uh, working on a new project or such like that? Yeah, yeah. Right now, I'm focused on Matt Brown. Right All now, right. I'm focused on breathing I'm focused on being alive and I'm trying to be as present. Actually, I want to remove try. I'm attempt. I'm, I am as present as I possibly could be. And I'd like to be more and more present. I realized, and this is a thing that, that incrementally I learn more and more each time, you know, there's a saying that is you make plans and then God laughs at you. Yep. Tell me about so that. I, I, could say, I could tell you, Today I plan on X, Y, Z, but get hit by a bus. You feel me? And then it's all, it's, it's not right. going to happen. You're definitely right on that. And also, when I, th- when I think of right now, I just, I'm curious what that means. Because people have, have asked me for, oh, what are your new paintings? Or what are your best works currently? Yeah. And for me, I know what, the, the thing is, I know what they're trying to. I know what they mean, but I don't think they know what they mean. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I can't get you what you're saying with that because it can't be open-ended, but every little aspect of what we do will somehow contribute to maybe our passions, maybe our um, uh, things we're working long-term. For example, like if you're asking me what I'm doing, I'm obviously 
doing a podcast with you. But another way I can answer it, I'm just simply catching up with one of my great friends in this world beyond that. And that's only yeah. um, just, we're just growing our relationship, but we're also just lucky enough to create content at the same time within that. Like, you know what I mean from that? 100%, absolutely. The question of right now is, for me, is worth thinking about. Because... Yeah. Let's get into that. For some people, right now, would relate to a certain set of conditions of things that they might be focused on via media or internet or a certain kind of circumstance. That's right now for somebody else. Right now for somebody else might refer to another set of circumstances. And then right now to someone like me might literally be this present moment. And then also to the the person asking the question right now might refer to the past two weeks. That might be right now. Or the past month might be right now because the work that you're doing from just, November 6th to December 6th, that might be categorized within a frame of right now. Yep. So I'm not going to be long-winded, but I think it's interesting to just think of what our intentions are when we're asking questions and what we hope to get out of them. So to answer your question, actually not to answer your question, <laughs> to further this tangent and complicate things, If one was to ask me, what am I working on right now? I told you, I think I know what they mean, but I don't think they know what they mean. Because I believe since they're asking me, who is an artist, who is a painter, who is prolific in the things that I make, I make a lot of things. They're expecting to hear a certain set of ideas that tie into the paintings I'm working on. That's like the thing that they're anticipating. The way that me, what I'm, so they're expecting like a product or an idea or something. But for me, what I'm working on right now, more than anything, is breathing. Yeah. That's, that's totally intangible. There's not a, actually, the product that comes from me breathing is me. Yeah, you can't do anything if you're not breathing, right? So. Exactly. So the focus right now is breathing. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm working on more than anything. Yes, especially nowadays where health has to be really, t- we have to really be responsible for, we do need to um, focus on those little things, especially breathing. Well, the thing is, it's not little, but it's, it's treated like it's little. You can't, I literally can't do anything if I don't know how to breathe. I can't do anything if I don't drink water. I can't nope. do anything if I, if I don't know how to how to take care of myself. You say to be, I'm, I'm, a t- I'm getting a, a master's in fine arts, but you can't be a master's in arts without mastering the art of living. And to master yeah. the art of living is to learn how to breathe, learn how to eat, learn how to drink water, and learn how to secure yourself and secure the ones you love and protect the things you love and defend the things that you're willing to defend for. You know, that's, that's very, very important. So that is a very, very high priority that is often pushed aside somehow through our right now. I, c- I couldn't agree with you more. And it really relates to when I talk about storytelling. My ultimate thing, I think my ultimate purpose right, it, right in this earth is to be a storyteller. Depending on what that medium is and the ways I like to tell stories, obviously talking to, is uh, stories. Yeah. We have to talk to each other. Uh, So, you know, I'm very interested in short stories and screenwriting, and I still am pursuing that as much as ever. I still write even on the times I don't record a podcast. And then in another way, 
is obviously this medium is podcasting because at the end of the day, these productive conversations are ways to tell stories, to help inspire people, show my creativity, and just show how interesting even the regular person is. So I can't do all of that if I don't live life. You know, they say, how could a stand-up comedian be good if he doesn't live, he or she doesn't live? Um, right. amongst, um, they can't make jokes about not living life. Yes, he, she, or they, um, as long as they are not living amongst life. So I need to live my life before I can master anything, even with my degrees. And then from there, I could tell stories about all types of people in this world. That's yeah. very similar of your right now moment as well, because we can't, um, you know, no matter who we are, we can't, uh, you're making, isn't as we, we, we like to talk about, does art imitate life or life imitate art? At the end of the day, life is in both those statements and you need to live life to figure out what that art is, you know? Absolutely. And everything I am right now is a synthesis of everything I've experienced. It's all building yeah. up everything incremental so one every one little breath matters to me being who i am now likewise every instance in my life every interaction i've had every interaction that you've had as a person who's making podcasts and storytelling every interaction you have you have to hold on to it i don't want to say hold on to it in a in a in a way that you know i'm not going to say that hold on to it as a, as, a, as a means to be sensitive to the information you're receiving so that you could, especially as a creator, as, so you could repurpose it or, or tell that or put it in some platform for others to take from it. Right. So I feel what you're saying. I think, yeah, that's all I have to say about that, I guess. My bad. Did you ask a question that I was supposed to answer or not? No, you did answer. You answered it in your way, you know. When it comes to asking questions, remember, these are, when I do this podcast, it's not an interview. I mean, technically, it is in the interview. You, you do market as an interview podcast. But, at the, but it's, it's more conversations, and it's – the way I ask questions, it's up to the person I'm interviewing, whether he, she, or they. They answer it the way they want to answer it, and uh, – and then we'll just bounce around from there, you know? Well, you know what? That's the thing. A lot of conversations I have, I really do believe when people be talking, they be trying to, there's like a predetermined place rather than, yeah. us, like rather than us trying to create. When we're talking, we're creating something. So if, if the premise of everything I ask or talk about or topics I bring up, if I already have a predetermined place of where it should go, then I might not be learning anything. And I might just be trying to throw the conversation into a, it's like a hypothesis or something like, let me test right. this out. I have an, if I say my favorite color is red, Matt is going to respond and say his favorite color is blue. But then when I say my favorite color is red and you say, I don't have a favorite color, my brain goes all crazy. I'm like, whoa, whoa, he broke the expectation. And, <laughs> and then you have like arguments and stuff like that. But I think conversations, that's why sometimes I'm not interested in so much interested in answering a question directly rather than I am considering the question itself so we can have an open conversation. Yeah. If, if I were the... Oh, my bad. Go ahead. No, no, you were saying... You were saying? So I'm in my studio, right? And I have... I have a lot of stuff in here, but I had this... I had a canvas that had a lot of paint on it, and I had it off to the side on the floor, and they had asked if this is a painting. And I totally couldn't... I knew... The thing is, that's what I'm saying. I knew what... It, she was 
I knew what she meant in the question, but I don't think she know exactly the magnitude of the depths of where that question could go. So right. instead of answering yes or no, I was interested in saying, well, let's unpack that question itself. You feel me? And I think that is a productive conversation. Whereas I could have just said yes, and we would have moved on and never talked about it. You feel me? Yeah, no, I prefer I prefer you to answer my questions like that or any of my guests. We need to make it op- open-ended, and that's what the beauty of all this comes from is uh, – that's what I want all my personalities, no matter who these people are that's coming on. I want to have the open conversation. And we can't have that if they're just boring, if they answer it so directly. And if I'm trying to have my preconceived notions, that I'd re- then I'm just a journalist at that point. But no, I'm just a host. And I'm just showing off how interesting all people are. Because, you know, I, I, like I, I mentioned this before, one day I would love to interview high-profile people in this world. But I still have to get my credibility and I still have to grow as a ho- podcasting host to do that. So yeah. one of the reasons why this podcast came to be was to show on how interesting everyone can be. Like with without that Saturday quarter, everybody has great stories that makes them worth um, listening to. And I learned from this, you don't need to interview celebrities per se to get still people will still listen they still like the human conversations of people um no matter who they are honestly they just hope that they're an interesting person and for most of my guests i've had so far i have found that um and it's it just show it's just showing how awesome people are and and the way you answer questions are, makes my job easier to show how interesting people are like that you know when yeah, they're willing to be open ended What I like about what you said and the premise of this entire thing is that everybody, what do you say? Everybody is what? Nobody is interesting. Everybody. And, but the thing is you, sometimes you need a situation to pull it out because people are, people believe that they're, they're worthless or people believe they don't have value to add to a conversation. So they might be quiet or they might not, they might overlook their own scenario as something inconsequential or something unworthy of discussing or sharing. And that it's important that the people around them could maybe pull it out. And if they have nobody around them, then it's on them. You feel me? Some one way yes, or another, it is you, on have, them. you have to acknowledge your being as valuable. And also, this is interesting. So you, you ever hear the term like white people problems? Oh yeah. It sounds funny, but it's actually true. There's, <laughs> there's a, <laughs> what I mean by that is that that doesn't mean you should be less empathetic. Like let's say a kid grew up in, in the suburbs in Pennsylvania or in Maryland or something like that. Yeah. And then you have a, a white kid and then you have a black kid who grew up in the inner city. They do have a different set of problems. And maybe one oh, might yeah. experience one might experience something that might be harsher in one way, and maybe another kid, they might be experiencing something harsh in their own way. But that's not to have a lack of empathy for one or the other. You know what I mean? I think Right. No, one hundred percent. Yeah, like just because you're maybe white middle class or wealthy or good family that doesn't mean i can't have 
that they they don't have their own complexities about them. So 100%. it's just it's just a different set of problems that maybe someone else might not experience. But in order for for us to be a, a be together in this country, we're in the United States of America. The whole thing about this country is supposed to be the idea of pluralism. Yep. Things coming together and us being able to have a difference of perspective, coexisting and living to one another. And I think it starts with that very premise of you saying everybody's interesting. Everybody has something to them. Everybody has their own story, whether or not we they experiencing something different than I did. That doesn't mean it's invalid. But I ain't gonna find sometimes it should do sound invalid. <laughs> because I mean, it's not the same if somebody's mad that their mom didn't give them $20. Okay, yeah, they, of course. That. But it's case to case. I don't like generalizations, but I think there's a reality to just having empathy and relating to one another, no matter where your background is. And that's the importance of also listening to people and not having yeah. any preconceived judgment or notions because so it's so true that every single person in this world is different and every single person though interesting, they're also complex. And that's why you need to be willing to hear them out, always know what the right and wrong things um, within, your, within your situation are. And you all, at the end of the day, you need to inspire the other people to show how interesting. I could go all day with somebody in the host talking to me how cool they are, but it really is up to that person at the end of the day to, sh- to understand and know like how cool they are how they can do anything and how they can um really transform themselves whatever the best way they want and it was work for some people unfortunately it doesn't work for everyone but at the end of the day we all are human beings we all have to support each other we all have to understand each other of course some things you can understand more than others and you can understand um, sometimes you might understand a person's decisions. Sometimes you might not. But at the yeah. end of the day, we all really push ourselves on emotions. Emotions is what is that's the that's when we look at emotions, whether it's a book we read or a movie or show or a piece of art or anything. Emotions get show that no matter what whether you're in the arts also there could be emotions if you're an accountant well if you're a professional athlete if you're if you're a garbage person if you're an ice cream chef if you're a fisherman if you're um anything in this world you work construction there's all emotions that get to people but no matter what that person has something cool about them. And I also realized that from just looking at how so many movies and TV shows have been adapted from stories we would not have heard of. And yet, yeah. and yet you, you can, um, you know, make stories out of it. And there's also just so many stories that might be completely fictional, but they're inspired by someone's experience. Yeah. And stuff. Yeah. So it's really interesting. And no matter where you, pr- where that story comes from and what platform you perform it, or express it everyone has a story worth listening to and you can have that empathy for it and hopefully we lead them to do the right thing and um um they don't and then they don't turn evil because any human's capable of turning bad themselves also and uh, we hopefully don't steer them into that way and um stuff like that you know what i'm saying what do you think actually how would you define evil at this what's, moment, in, what's, what's evil to you? 
in the most simplest terms in the broader, I would just say an evil person is someone who deliberately chooses to do the wrong thing. I think at the end of the day, it's obvious, it's pretty obvious when you know you're doing something right or wrong, assuming you're not, you know, under the influence or anything, but even still, there is a right and wrong thing to do. So I think an evil person is someone who chooses to do the wrong thing. What do you think is evil? Hold on, wait. Because it's, it's, it's such a slippery slope, is, is all I'm saying, is that. Right. Because with that, and I'm not trying to denounce your definition. I think this is just a very complex thing, so. Of course, with, yeah. You, know, you can, you can that, say whatever you want, you know, that's what's great about this combo, so. But with that same thing, because at a certain point in time, I would have been called evil for saying the sun is the center of the Milky Way galaxy. That's evil in 1400. You know what I mean? <laughs> Jesus would have been considered evil. Yeah, because he was doing the wrong thing. Two thousand years later, we you know we look. We it's a difference of perspective. Right. There was a, a lot of people who didn't see anything wrong with with barbaric behavior such as enslaving people. Yep. That was normal. So it's such a slippery slope. And I think it's just it's just a very tough thing to, to grasp because you have to always look forward. Some, so sometimes during your time, you'll be misunderstood as what is considered right and wrong. And True. in the case of Jesus, I think Jesus was in the right. In the case of somebody like Copernicus, who was saying the sun is the center, I think he was right. Or maybe he wasn't right, because i never seen it, but I believe the sun is the center. But he was right. In the case of people enslaving people, they were wrong. So you have to kind of, as a person living in 2020, you can't always go with what the tides of correctness means. Yeah, but that's not point. that's not to say that the masses are always wrong. That's not to say that. I think it's it's just to point out that when we get too too general, it, it makes it makes things it makes things it undoes what they say it's doing. So people might be preaching love and preaching God, but they might be the most hateful people, right? Under, under the terms of what they believe is correct, but somebody else might say, actually, no, you guys are all crazy, and I'm the only one seeing this. So. Yeah, sometimes it might feel obvious that what's it's 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 obvious what's right and what's wrong. But where is that? Where is it? Who, who's you know who's determining that? Who's That's determining true. that? You know, you, you've seen. Oh, sorry, I was going to say, I have my own beliefs. I believe that there's something higher that judges all of that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. But, I don't know. It's tough, but I, I agree. I think there's certain things I could I could agree on, like from society to society. Nah, no society should do this thing. No, nobody should do this, 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 this. You know, nobody right. should be taking this man's life or taking this person's life. You know, for no reason. Nobody should be doing. There's. I think there's certain universals somehow, but it's it's such a tough thing. And I think getting closer to it, to what we could call the United States political climate mm -hmm. you know it's it's so polar right now very, right now very very and much so man it's tough because it's that same idea there's people who really believe a certain thing who really really believe and they don't see anything wrong with that and then there's another group of people same thing and they just it's just so far apart you know what i mean do you think there is a way 
in 2020 where both sides, do you think we'll ever have a chance to have a conversation to talk our differences out, especially in this political climate? Or do you think that it's going to just keep growing to no end? Like, obviously the, the election very, it was, uh, no, you know, obviously very close. We know what happened and whether you agree yeah. with it or not, it yeah. um, is what happened. It, it is what it is. And the numbers don't lie. And I'd like to think that, but um, having said that, there's been just so much conversations and people, I mean, over for the last few years, whether you're on the left of the political spectrum or the right, it seems it's been a hard time to compromise, be partisan. And having said all that, Gabe, I'd like to ask you, do you think we'll ever be able to compromise as a whole? And whether it's politically or ethically or, you know, ethos, lothos, pesos, will we ever be able to compromise or get closer to it? Or at least can I have a conversation with people, um, even if we disagree, will we be able to not be uh, looked at so horribly if we are not agreeing with someone. Yeah, I don't know, man. I just don't know. I I believe it's possible. Currently, there's too much generalizing apocalyptic narratives being thrown out on all kinds of sides, which closes closes down any time, any room for discussion, like at all. Mm -hmm. So it's nothing's going to happen with that. You know, there's it's like if I if I wanted to make let's say I don't I don't like Donald Trump let's say that let's say I don't like Donald Trump yep. and I wanted to make a painting about that the easiest thing in the world is to make a painting of me chopping his head off and you know I'm I'm holding his head but what does that do for anybody that doesn't do anything it only all that does for anybody is the people who already don't like him like yeah let's go yeah fuck that. <laughs> and the people who love him they're like yo what's wrong with you that's you, you can't do that and right, then they, right. they, don't like me, don't like me, and the people who already do, do. So that doesn't do anything except for fu- add fuel to the fire for the people who already have a dislike for a certain kind of persona, and the people on the other side, it, nothing changes. So the only way to change anything is to throw something a little more subtle in there and attempt to shift consciousness in what they call Asapian terms, in a way that is, it's, it seeps in there in a way that isn't so overt or obvious, but attempts to to bring some minutia to it so we could see things clearly. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. So all I could say, I don't know. I hope that we, we can come together and start talking to other people, whether or not you agree or disagree with them. And that's not going to happen if all these crazy, crazy overgeneralizing things keep being pushed out and people living in fear. And yeah, it's like the thing that you fear most is what is being thrown at you. You know, people yeah. on the right, they fear communism and socialism the most, so that's the rhetoric they got. The people on the left, I don't know, they fear whatever, and it's all being thrown into democracy and stuff like that, and nobody is able to see things eye to eye ever. And there's tr- there's a little bit of truth to it all, but we have to figure it out, like we're here. Like yeah. nothing is just gonna happen without human, this is all human intervention. Like this is all human construct. Like if we set these terms then we could very much well unset these terms and reshift things and reimagine how things could go. I don't like people dodging responsibility. You know, they just try to act like we have no say in how the, the way of the country could go. Like whoever wins, whoever was supposed to win, whatever, we all have to work this out. Right. We have to work it out. We have to uh, not j- prejudge right away and just because 
our person isn't in a position of power that we hoped. We still have to work together amongst it. We still have to uh, be, we still have to be team players and problem solvers. And I think I personally believe it's starting on the individuals. We won't get anywhere and change unless like you said, like you said to me, and it's also in the movie Notorious with Biggie Smalls. Um, the Notorious about Biggie Smalls. We can't change the world unless we change ourselves. So yeah. we have to. We have to start slowly. I know some people. Obviously, there's three tiers. One side that will not believe what I said. It's their way or the highway. There's one side, and then there's one side who. Um, believes I'm right about this and then it's my way or the highway. But then there's the middle that we can hope is a majority of people who are, could go either way. And hopefully we could start having these ways to inspire people to be more open to listening to others, be willing to take things on both sides and it can help grow, grow each other as a society. That's my hope and belief, you know? Yeah, yeah, I feel that. I feel that. I just wonder if it's inevitable. Like, if it's inevitable that we'll always have a, a split somewhere. I, I just don't. I don't know world history enough, but it just seems like a really, really difficult thing to make work. It does. But that doesn't mean we don't. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, hopefully, it doesn't take the aliens to come, and we all have to come as humans together to fight them off. Hopefully, it doesn't yeah, be that extreme. But um that day comes hopefully uh we'll be ready and uh i think also this time in uh this during this pandemic's really showed our size and how we look and things and um there are people who have grown and have become much better during this pandemic than there's just people who are much worse and well we got to do at least what we can in our individual worlds and then hopefully it just starts bleeding into other places and just being confident with ourselves in that you know yeah i'm with you on that bro yo man Another thing I want to talk to you, Gabe. You are a proud vegan with uh, one of your greatest quotes in this world is having vegan powers. You, one of your aliases is Big Daddy Kale Chips. So um, You know, one of the things we met, we were former roommates in college, and your pride in veganism is re- really helped me be more open to the idea. I wasn't close-minded with veganism. I just haven't been around much vegans, but it was always something interesting to me. And Gabe, can I ask you, how is it being a vegan in this world right now? And, you know, some people do understand veganisms, and then some people will like to parrot it or not willing to give it a chance. How is um, it being a vegan right now in 2020? into 2021. You know, the other day I said that I'm gonna stop saying all the things I don't like and just really focus on the things that I like and love and have desire for and that will outshine any of the things that I I speak negatively of. Yeah. But this is a really tough decision, a tough scenario because I, I wanted, as, as soon as you said that, I want to list off all the things I don't like. Mm-hmm. Man, all right, you know what? I'm not, I'm not perfected yet, so I'll just go with it. The things, let me tell you the things I don't like. <laughs> with, there's certain vegans that, they, you know, they'd be holding the posters up, you know, be, they'd be throwing the red paint at the, <laughs> and all that, and yeah. you know, stuff like that, that's never been me. That's never been my thing. And I don't, 
I'm not interested in forcing anything down people's throats. I could, but the thing is, I could, I could begin to understand why somebody would put up that type of fight to say that this is, this should not be a question. It should not be a question of whether or not we're going to eat animals or not. That shouldn't be a question. Like we just don't, that's just not what we should do. We found ways to not do that. So why are we doing that? So I'm going to turn up until everybody realizes that you don't need to do this. I get it. That's just never been me though. For me. Oh, also another thing I'll say that I don't like. Sometimes I don't like the word vegan only because there's been such a negative stigma around it. I think, yo, people be thinking like I, I just eat grass and seeds and shit like that. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I'm starving. I don't get protein and I can't work out and I can't gain muscle. And, blah, 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 blah. and that's not true. It's just not true. Yeah. So all vegan is, is yo, like I eat really good. Like I think is people look at veganism as if it's like some second class citizen food or something, you know, like <laughs> it's, it's the worst food. There's no season. There's no nothing. You can't have anything. It's really not that serious. It's yeah. really not. So yeah, I mean, I, that's a decision I made a long time ago and I don't even think twice about it. I, I'm probably healthier than everybody I know, you know, mm-hmm. I don't, it's fine, you know. Like I get all the, I get all my minerals, I get all my protein, I take all my, I get yeah. everything. Like the thing is, there's just a stigma around it. But also, I, I have to say, I don't, the reason that this is such a common thought is because of what is being taught. That was bars. Because it's, it's just true. Because there's people who, who don't ever, when, when you, when when do you ever get ed- educated about foods you should eat? They t- they they show you some some washed up ass pyramid that got like all kinds of stupid shit on there, and they don't tell you anything about kale. Like I never I didn't even know what kale was until I was in like twelfth grade. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Really? Yeah, because I just never heard of it. All I heard was the things they had at McDonald's and Taco Bell and, and, and it- all the advertisement about got milk. You know I didn't I, got I, all that. Oh, they don't tell you anything. So, so of course, it's going to be so totally abstract to you. The things that are being marketed to you are the things that Americans are going to eat. Hot dogs, hamburgers, tacos, steaks, oh. pizza. And that's, that's where they've been. That's how they've been living. So, so I've only, I, was, I was fortunate enough to take a class in 12th grade about food. And when I took that class, I learned a lot more. And I already had an intuition about it. And when I took that class, it affirmed my intuition. And I kept going with it. Wasn't it also true that, I mean, you told me this a long time ago, and I thought it was funny, but wasn't it your, your defining moment? Obviously, all these things build up to make you do, uh, have the conscious choice to become a vegan. But is it true that one of, like the tipping point was just a bad thing at McDonald's? Just a bad meal at McDonald's? I was like, I'm done with this for good. I just find that hilarious. Is that true? Yep. That's true, but the thing is, it wasn't. It wasn't that it was bad. That, it was all right. <laughs> it was, it was just the last meat I ever had. Pause. Oh, okay. I had, I had. It was. It was freshman year in college, and it was like in March, 2011, or something like that, or April. It was around that time, and I, maybe even earlier, maybe February, it was something like that, and I went to McDonald's. And it was already on my mind because I told you a year before that, that I was in. I was taking classes. I've been thinking about it more right. and more and more and more. And it was on my mind, and I remember I ate this. It was probably what's that shit? A double McDouble? Nah, nah. nah. <laughs> it might have been it was like some chicken snack wrap. What's the the chicken patty? Do they have that? The chicken, the McChicken. 
McChicken, that shit. I had a fucking McChicken. I had a McChicken. And when I was done with it, I'm like, yo, you know what? It ain't worth it. It's a wrap. Right. And I bowed out the game. I ain't had me since. That's a, that's incredible, man. And and like you said, veganism is just another option, and we shouldn't put you down for it or make these jokes. Here's some... But also, things. I want to say, I don't want to put anybody down who's eating meat. Yeah, you're, you're not like, <laughs> I, hey... Yeah. Animal killer, asshole. I don't not that. And and I think when I again living with you showed me how cool it is to be a vegan. And I'll show you with your vegan proteins and your plant based diet. You were just as I mean, honestly, you like you said, you're probably the most healthy out of all of us. The most strong and so fit. And you did it as a vegan, and you proved that you could do it. And um, forever, I just have respect for vegans. My brother has been here and there he's doing more plant-based diets um but uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he does it well it makes that decision and i support it with that and uh bro the representation for vegans is trash they be having like when you think of a vegan you probably think of like some pencil neck skinny motherfucker <laughs> chicken chest you know what i'm saying <laughs> can't lift the damn 20 pound dumbbell type of guy but that's just, it's just not true yeah no there's vegan bodybuilders you think of some hippie, he walks around with no shoes on. That's the kind of picture that they they been they gave us. That's a certain type of person. That's not everybody. Of course. I wear shoes. Yeah, he wears I shoes. You feel me? And strong with the, and a lot of weights too. You you stay in shape with it and you yeah. get your proteins from more of your quinoa's and uh you don't do you do you eat nuts as another source of protein or no? Yeah, I eat nuts. You do, do not you do nuts? Okay, so nuts, and then you use your silk. You get your silk instead of your regular milk, and you just yeah, I'm good, bro. Good, good, bro. Yo, just on this cause of food, yo, what's the worst place you've ever eaten? I love asking people this. What's the worst place you've ever eaten? It's the worst place I've never eaten, actually. (laughs) Okay, because. I was in Philly. Okay. A couple of weeks ago, I was out in Philly. We, me, me and my shorty, we went to we went to this restaurant. And after, yo, I want you to put this in the damn. I'm gonna find it during the during the during the our podcast. I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna put them all on blast. Okay. <laughs> yo, son. <laughs> it's really some uppity upscale type vegan place and we only went because it looked like it had a really nice atmosphere it looked cool and stuff like that we get there and i'm like yo yo and mind you there's nobody in there there's just like some crusty old white dude sitting in the back eating and that's it <laughs> we, we get there and i'm like yo could i get a table for two and yo we dressed up nice i look good i have my gold chain on blah, 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 you know what i'm saying okay i get there i'm like yo let me get a table for two and the guy looks at us like, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know, that was a lot, you know. Oh, uh, they ain't got you. nothing available. You got? I was like, oh, for real? I was like, yeah. He's like, yeah, you got to book a reservation, and you know, all the reservations are done. <laughs> In an empty <laughs> restaurant? In a fucking empty restaurant. And you know, I didn't want to flip out, and so I just, I was taking, I gave him the benefit of the doubt, and I said, yo, look. I said, yo, we only came here because it looks really nice. It's vegan. And we, we really like to eat here. Like, you don't have anything? You sure? He said, yeah, yeah, man. He's like, but the best I could do, if you want, you could order takeout. And there's a park down the street you could eat at. <laughs> a fucking park? What? I can eat at a park. Come on. 
I don't mean to laugh. I'm sorry, but that's just so ridiculous. Oh, and so but at the time I was tight, but I I didn't want to flip. I was like, yo, you know what? And then he got his manager and the manager told me the same thing. I'm like, all right, whatever, yo. We left. And me and me and my shorty, we were like, yo, you know they was bullshit. And I was like, yo, we should call him back. And she was like, yo, I'm gonna put on, I'm gonna put on like a real like valley girl, white girl type voice. I'm yo, you, the- you seen um, you seen um, um, oh my god, the movie. Sorry to bother you. Put on the white yeah. people voice. It's like that. <laughs> what? What you say? You ever see? I'm sorry to bother you. The movie with Lakeith Stanfield. No. 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 Oh, you'd really like it. But one of the premises, it's about him putting on his white voice and helping him. Um, uh, he tell he helps influence people that way, and I just thought it was funny. Like you do it. It's a reality. It's a reality. Yeah. You, the, talk with a certain tone and a certain kind of language. It makes the other people feel at ease and comfortable, and they're like going to welcome them, and they're also going right. to say, "Oh, they." They're probably not going to cause no problems. This is the type of person. This is the ideal customer. Yeah, come on in. So cool. we went so back. Call- we went back. Yeah, we went back to the car, and I was like, "Yo, call him up." She called him up, and she tries to talk as like white as possible. Mm-hmm. And yo, tell me how they're like. Yeah, come in anytime. Oh. We have we're we're good. Anytime you want, just put the reservation in, and you're good. And she's like, anytime. She said they're like, yeah. They're like, okay. And then she hung up. I was like, word. So I called him right back. I, I called him on my phone and he's like, and he's like, yo, I think his name is Ethan. He's like, hey, this is Ethan from so-and-so restaurant. I'm like, yo, Ethan, I was just there with me and my shorty and you said that there was no tables available, but I just had my friend call and you told her something different. What Uh-oh. the fuck is up? He's like, oh, 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 who's this? I was like, yo, stop playing games. And I called him up, I cursed him out and I cursed his manager out because I was pissed off. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna tell you the name of the restaurant. Yeah, but I put this restaurant on blast. That's the worst place I've never eaten. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> and the, I, I just say the worst place I eat. I don't know. I have good taste, so I just have like, you know, what I'm saying. I haven't. I ha- I'm, I've been for. I haven't had too many bad experiences. So I, there's nothing that stands out. Yeah, no. The other one, the only ones with me. I told this. Just a food stand in Cape Cod was ass. Horrible. Just I remember <laughs> this dude just just went off. Um. One time I had Buffalo Wild Wings that was just trash. I haven't and I haven't ordered since there. So um Oh word. Yeah. They be I'm out front. Sometimes back in the day when I used to eat cheese, I would get like cheese quesadillas or something and it, it was straight up just out the microwave. You know? <laughs> it was not Come on. Yeah, you could tell it was just out the microwave. Yo, I'm I hate I remember I hate when they do that. I hate when people water down alcohol. I know you don't drink, but like, um, oh. like before, but bef- like, but bef- like before you did, do you ever notice when people just like get that well and just try to water it down and, and stuff like that? I, yeah, it was, it, it was bullshit, but you know what? I get it. <laughs> I, I was I trying could... to grind. <laughs> Yo, because look, when college, when we were when we were in college, and I know I was a few a couple years older than you, and but you, you were able to see it. We were all we were there together a few times yep. at these bars. Think about how how much alcohol like somebody um, would be trying. You know, some people would be trying to get like five, six, seven drinks, and I know <laughs> there's like two sides to it. One side they're like, "Yo, I don't want to give you too much because you're gonna drink so much," and then also the other side is like, "If I keep." If I water you down, you have to buy more so I can make more money. Yeah, you know what it's, I mean? it's a, it is but a grind with that. 
it, yeah, it's it's kind of this fucked up balance. And a lot of times people would go to the bar drunk anyway. You, you pregame. Yeah. So it was bullshit. But I didn't, I didn't go to the bar too much. And anytime I drank, it was really like, like I just mentioned, it'd be before I got there, I already drank a little bit. Definitely, definitely. Same here with that. Oh, man, I didn't um, really go to the bars until more of my senior year. But um, yeah, well, there's a reason why most of them don't exist. But it was fun while it lasted, right? Yeah, a few of them shut down, right? Yeah, the the Angry Bull's gone, I think. Uh, The Black Bear, Gonzo. Um, Man, that Hartford bar, I mean, we're sticking with that, you know, with the Hartford stuff. Yeah. what do you miss the most about that place, if anything? And Hartford? Yeah, we'll say Hartford. And this includes Hartford, U Hart, all that times. It's tough because I, I, I haven't looked at it with nostalgia at all since mm-hmm. maybe like 2016, which yeah. was like a year. I graduated 2015. So 2016, I still had a soft spot for it. And at this point, I, I came to just total acceptance about everything about my experience there, from the good to the bad. Yeah. And there's nothing that I, I feel, I don't feel unresolved about anything anymore. At a certain point, I did about a, a lot of things. So it's, it's a tough question for me. I don't know if I have a, a thing I could really point to. I feel like it was just the right amount of time for me. It was, everything happened the way it happened. For sure. Yeah, I, I can't say can't say it. That really was my thing. I I I I guess there's really be I really I know they say this about everyone, but I really I mean you knew me when I had no confidence, was such a goober, and then yeah. with the help of you, especially really learning how to be confident and loving myself, I really did change to a much better person in, in college from uh, from youth to college, and then being somebody who's just so ready for this world and who still has so much to learn and still has so much life to live. But college really showed me that, um, Hey, I can really reinvent myself being what I want. And if I really didn't have that, didn't have my experience with Theta Chi, damn, I would be so fucked in this world, I think, but everything's meant to be for a reason. And, and of course there's a lot of heartbreaks and a lot of embarrassing stories, which is funny now. And I love sharing love and I, I'm love to share I I love to share these funny experiences and show how much growth from them, but there are just some silly things, but it was, it is worth it. And that's what's all that frustrations is what's making me a better a communicator and storyteller with that. It, it, all this stuff had to happen, you know? Bro. Yeah. I ain't going to front. It was a lot of fun <laughs> happening to you specifically. <laughs> You're right. Oh. And, and laugh, man. Yo, your life is a movie, son. You, you, are you, are you gonna make your life a movie? When's that happening? When's <laughs> Matt Brown the movie dropping? Remember Matt Brown 2015? Hell yeah, bro. With the hashtag. Every day, I made it up till like July, and then I just forgot. And it was funny how many unfollowers I got from that. <laughs> I'm so pissed. Like it's not that big of a deal. And no one see that shit, Matt. Bro, some I it's just I really learned, boy. You really, is it, I learned if you put the effort, you could make a story from every day. And I think back then I didn't. Like, so one of my favorite roasts wait, about MB. Matt, 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 real quick, real quick. Can we pause the recording real quick? I gotta yeah. pee really bad. No problem. Just uh, we'll we'll just take right. You, uh, I was just gonna keep recording, but we we have a limited <laughs> time. But you could just uh, t- go to the bathroom and be right back. All right, bro. So you gonna cut this part out? Exactly. Yeah. So with that, 
Hey, Gabe has to go to the bathroom and we'll be right back. <laughs> We're back. Gabe Mills is all set, relieved. I am too. We're been here. So we was talking. We left off. So we're talking about um, Matt Brown the movie. When's that coming out? And yeah, I'll say this. So it, I started writing a journal in college. Pretty much every day, I um. I Wait, my bad. Should I have my shit horizontal? Either way, it's fine. Either way, whatever you want. You sure? Hold yeah, on, hold on. It doesn't matter. We gotta, make the, we gotta make sure your podcast looks as fire as possible. So hold up, Sweet. you gotta tell me, bro. Yeah, let's is it better horizontal? horizontal? Yeah, you can still see me though, you right? Told me an hour ago. Well, I mean, either way, it still it still works with great content, but um, right, uh, we're right, having right. switching it up for this for this part of it. All right, for part for part two, we we did horizontal. Exactly. That's that's how we're growing with the show. <laughs> All right, but yes, Matt Brown. So I've written. So in college, I like to write down the funny things that happened to me, and then I wrote a daily journal in uh, twenty seventeen. Every single thing I've done, and it's supposed to be a premise to a book. And the day I move out of the house is when the book is complete. And trust me, throughout, and it's, yeah, seven years worth of stories. And I can, some of those stories I've turned into my blogs. Some of them have turned into short stories. And then others I want to create it to screenplays, whether, you know, actually about the situation or based on one of those stories. So I would say a movie about me will take place within 30 years. Let's get that. Okay. Well, I'm ready. And I have these stories and these funny things that happened to me, we could go over them. They really um, were worth happening at the end of the day. I'm happy all those embarrassing, crazy things happened because it helped me evolve as a storyteller. It helped me get through it. It shows that um, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And it's worth it. We just have great laughs out of it. It's, 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 it's kind of hilarious, the stuff that's happened to me. Yeah. And uh, I don't really mind. We could go over some some of those things, whether it's, um, you know, it's funny when I made that formal proposal video only instead. Thank you. Thank you, man. I, you know, I told I told someone on the podcast, he he brought it up to me and I said, you know, I probably it was JDR, Joe Del Rio. And. (laughs) And I said, you know, I probably would have, from the life I've lived now, what I know now, I probably wouldn't have done it. But hey, it happened and um, it, whatever, whatever happened, happened. But it was funny, after all that hard work, Gabe, after all that, like, trying to, at the end of the day, I knew probably this wasn't going to work, but maybe I can make this person's day, right? Yeah. But after all of that, in return, I take someone else who only... Um, ignores me and goes fucks another brother or um um you know which is it's, it's funny but like dang man out of all that that's what happens but what are you gonna do three times um three times maybe that i didn't know probably but uh <laughs> i can't think of a uh you know what yeah probably know. three times I just feel like that 
was happening a lot. And I'm Bro, like, I had what the, the hell is going on, son? Well, I had the worst formal dates. Seriously, man. Man, I they were... <laughs> Actually, yo, honestly, bro, it was, you all mean. about your formal experience. Y'all seriously, it was... All the all oh, those... Oh. Hmm? I'm ice on you, yo. <laughs> yeah, man. What happened was, is, uh, you know... Yo, shout out to Chaz. <laughs> Chaz shut up, right? It was Chaz. Chaz dumped the bucket, right? All right, so I'll tell this story <laughs> because I, um... I don't know. This is this is what this is what happened at the time. So I'm. I uh, <laughs> no. I'll just I'll just give the gist. It's the gist. It's fine. Right. It's fine. It's all all that happened was um, sophomore year. I was president of fraternity, doing my best to keep everything in line. We go to do the form. I take this person. They weren't a great date. Another one just ignored and hung out with other people. Fine. So I was like, okay, after all this frustration, let me at least get some alone time in my room. Apparently there was a brother who was um, going through a lot of emotional stuff. So I was trying to deal with that. I was dealing with the police getting called on the fraternity at the, uh, where the floor was in the hotel. And I had to go talk to them and pretty much talk them into not kicking us out. And they said, if we get one more complaint, you're all getting kicked out. And then, you know, I get in trouble. The fraternity looks bad. The school looks bad. So, of course, I'm telling everyone to stop. After my stressful night, my date ignores me. My date ignores me. I had to talk us out of the get. I had to talk to the police and I have a brother going through so much shit. I was like, fine, let me just go in my room and, you know, sleep and just get up and change and uh you, you all stressed me out. I'll just get some me time trying to watch my, uh, listen to my Howard Stern. I remember at least I could get through that. And then someone opens my room that my date, my date gave the formal, the key to my room only for someone to throw ice, ice at me in my bed while I'm trying to relax after the most stressful night of my life. And that's what I get. That was the thanks I got. And like, fine, it's whatever I, uh, of course, I was angry, and in return, and uh, I did what I could return, and uh, I still don't forgive all those people. Never will, but it's it, it, I, I survived from it. I'm good, and I just know um, karma's got my back. After after all that shit, I interned at SiriusXM right after that, and then I, I got my I started my career in media. So you know what? Fine, I'll take that L and I'll just got stronger from it. And it is hilarious from time. And uh, I just know those people probably feel pretty awful now, now that we're adults in this world. And, you know, they can live with their guilt. And uh, I just uh, did the best I could do, but I'm still striving and whatever, you know? Bro, I feel you. You the real deal for that, man. I remember you came back to the apartment pissed off. <laughs> you like, yo, stop fucking funny, man. Yo, <laughs> For these motherfuckers, these people are active with probation. You know, we was about to get kicked off campus. Yeah. I'm the fucking president. Yo, You're right. <laughs> I should have seen this man, man. I never seen him so he was really pissed off. And I'm like, yo, this is he's, he's, he's right. I feel bad for him, but at the same time, I, this is hope. hilarious. No, you're right. It is a funny story if I looked at the broader things. And you know what? You're right. And what happened that semester, I was already stressed out because the fraternity was on probation from an yeah. incident. And if they, if everyone fucked up, the fraternity would get kicked off campus. And yeah, and I did all of that stuff only to have ice thrown me at my formal after a date ignores me and um, 
people were just being dicks. But you know what? I did my job and the fraternity still alive to this day. ZBT is not around anymore. And, and at least that's what I did as an individual and the fraternity still alive. So it was all worth it. And how bad. And at the end of the day, they knew I was a great president. I kept the fraternity oh, line and it's still moving. <laughs> what? Yo, they were trying, they were trying. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, bro, sorry, man. No, it's Yo. fine. It really is fine. I'm not bothered by it anymore. And I, I knew I at least did my part and the fraternity's still alive. And that's all that matters to me at that point. So... <laughs> I'm sorry, man. This, this is such a classic story. Yo, me and my man, yo, shout out to Jake. Me, me and Jake, we would laugh about this a lot because at this point, Jake and I, we weren't, Jake graduated and I was still on campus, but I wasn't really active in the fraternity. Right, yeah, so, you were doing your thing. Yeah, we were looking at it from kind of like a backed up perspective and it was just fucking hilarious because we'd hear all these things, you know, we hear about, you know, there's people, there's like a group of people in the fraternity who don't like you as president who try and get you. Oh, hell yeah. There, yeah. there was, there was the, 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 um, there was a whole other side. I remember yeah. I got a text personally from this dude. I am going to do my best to impeach you. I'm like, what yeah. are you going to impeach me for? For what? Simply because yep. you don't like me. <laughs> I always say I ain't on front. You was the Donald Trump of Theta Chi, son. <laughs> what? In what sense? 100%. You was the Donald Trump of Theta Chi. It's just facts. Think about it. it was, when Donald I, Trump I, ran for president, nobody thought he was going to win. They took it as a joke. <laughs> Joke. When you was running for president, everybody said, "Yo, he's mad young. There's no way it can't happen. Like he's a good dude, but he don't he don't have it. He can't do it." You know what I'm saying? Next thing you know, you beat out this person, this person, and you won president. Damn, shocked the entire fraternity. You know what I'm saying? As soon as you get into office, everybody. As soon as you got into office, (laughs) out of office. You know what I'm saying? Everything you do, you have bad press on you. Nobody. You know, use the Donald Trump and Theta Chi, son. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I think I led the fraternity in a better place than Trump, who, who he was supposed to lead. But yes, in that oh. sense of how many people were mad, were how many, um, uh, how many already haters from the start I had? Yeah, I did get into a mess, and I get into a fraternity that's on probation. But um, I, I, let's go with the. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of another president who people didn't like, but he actually did a good job and um you know we can debate on trump on the trump's performance over the last four years but uh yeah. no, trying, but I'm, I'm not yeah. i'm not trying to say you are like this pussy grabbing crazy dude i'm just saying yeah yeah no no you i get it. you're exactly right everyone was against me from the start might as well yeah. had protests on one side of the fraternity and <laughs> and i realized from there in a the movie, like, yo, this stuff really doesn't matter. They really, like, they tried to get me impeached simply because I was doing the right thing. And <laughs> that's exactly it. Like, for instance, it was harder for us to have parties because, well, we're on probation. And I said, we, they wanted to have an open party. Like, no, we're going to get caught with it and get kicked out. And so I, I remember I, 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 Said we can't have this open, and I said, "Fuck you! You're a piece of shit! You won't let us do anything." I'm like, "Bro, you won't have a fraternity to do shit if you, if we have this open." So then I said, "No." So it was just all these haters, and all their reasons were immature, and that helped me again be stronger in my confidence to know when to do the right thing, even if I have these people like me for the right or wrong reasons. I just did what was right for the fraternity, and at the end of the day, and like I said, Data Kai is still alive stronger than ever 
they won chapter of the year, I think, in 2019. That wouldn't have happened if, if I listened to these people and kept it alive, you know? Yeah, I feel you, bro. I feel you. And then, yeah, like, you're right about in the formal days, just all, all, all. I hope all these women are doing well in their, wherever they are, but a lot of them yeah. were, not, were not good dates. Good dates. Yeah, um, I feel you. I, I hope the best for everybody. Everybody. For know? sure. Everybody and, playing fraternity. Everybody, they're good people. They just had their moments. Exactly. <laughs> and, and I figured... All right, I'll have all these bad formal dates, but my wedding date, my, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have a beautiful honey. She's gonna be no, the, the whole thing. She's gonna be all that. I really believe that. The only way that that could get top is if some <laughs> funny shit happens at your wedding. <laughs> That's the next level, man. I don't know, bro. You better start going to church and praying every day that all that bad luck just went away because you got a bad. <laughs> man if, if if my wedding turns out to be a disaster well at that point i guess well i guess we're gonna just have to go get certificates at vegas or something <laughs> if that's yeah, yeah. but you know what that's why i believe i'm gonna have this the just the most beautiful girl in the world someone i can trust someone i'm comfortable with someone i'd love to show off someone who loves to show me off and someone that can help me become a better person and I hopefully can help them become a better person too when you strengthen our relationship. And you know, so, man, what, oh my God. And you know, not since bad. I was just saying, just since then, you know, I've, you know, I've had a cool, a couple of cool relationships that I've really grown. They didn't work out for whatever reason, but it's only helping me get better in um, my dating and love life, whatever that is. And at this moment, it's as stagnant as ever. I'm not talking to anyone, not even on the apps. And uh, when the time comes, I know that I'll be ready. And uh, what were you about to say? I was going to say, going off what you just mentioned, <clears throat> what is your thoughts about current, right now, the kind of dating culture within the generation we're part of? What are your thoughts about that? The current dating culture, Gabe, this is going to be fun to discuss. So amongst 2020 and the pandemic, and we'll say, I'll say current dating culture within the last five years, because that's when the first time I really started dating. So All right, that's fine. what I've learned. I think, you know, I believe in love. No matter who you are, no matter what your orientation, I strongly believe that everyone there is meant for somebody in the dating culture in the world. No matter if you're straight, no matter if you're gay, whether you are asexual, whether you are pansexual, no matter your orientation, I think there's someone out there for everyone. I think, you know, the way I look at it, when there are two people who are madly, a lot of people like to complain about love and relationships, and a lot. We've got some great art out of it. We've gotten some great music. We've gotten a lot of great stories out of it from love either working out or not working out. And then a lot of people really emphasize on the not working out. And you know what? Yeah. I think there are people who are madly loving this, who are madly in love in this world. Mm. You don't hear them complaining. So maybe they're, they got something right. So I think with the current dating culture is, again, whatever's meant to be will happen. What, as long as you are your best self and one of the best things you ever taught me is if you love yourself, you can't love anyone unless you love yourself. And I think 
once you're ready for that and be open and also depending, you know, we're dating, obviously people have different intentions. Some people want just a one night stand. Some people want to hook up for a little bit. Some people want a genuine relationship, whatever it is, know what you want, be prepared what you want, be respectful. Most of all, most important things, be respectful and um, just be yourself and it will all come together. And I think from all my dating that you witnessed and not witnessed, and I've seen it all, or, and actually still, there's still so much more growth I have to do and still so many more experience I have to see. But I think as long as you are yourself, as long as you're kind, as long as you're respectful, no matter if you will meet that person wherever it's meant to be, and that's either from an app or somebody you meet in person, I think um, it's okay. Don't take it too seriously, and we'll all come together. That's my view on current dating right now. What about you, Gabe? I I have a high skepticism about just the culture around it because yep. there's a, a rejection of the values that you just mentioned. Those are, I think, <laughs> generally people participate in have those have those kind of values and, and think about those things loosely. But intention, it seems that you have your mind made up that you do want a family, you do want to have a, a wife and live happy, uh, happily ever after and things like that. Yeah, once it's meant to be. Yeah, when it's meant to be. My thing is, how, how is it meant to be? And how do you even come across the meant to be person if the climate that we're around is not catered to being in the right environment for that person to to emerge so there has to be a certain right there has to be a certain openness for you to be receiving what i've noticed and we all i don't want to say we all but a lot of people have been guilty of is that they're hard pressed to find themselves open to settling with somebody who could be that person for them and there's a amount of work that's required for someone to be vulnerable enough to trust that this could work. You know what I mean? It's just a magical thing. And with the climate that we're around, I don't see it promoted so much, like in music and film. I don't know. It it just seems the, the, the way, the where people are getting, their actions from and what they what they think is they should be doing it ends up being this path that will leave you totally astray away yeah. from the things you just you know if you if you if you listen to all these songs it's always about oh i told this bitch she gone oh i told her that it's always about what he gonna tell her if you if you have if you put on any song right now that's like one of these new rappers it's always mm-hmm. about I told Shorty, da 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 da. <laughs> then she said, da. it's always about what she said and what he told her. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> and that, it kind of seeps in. And growing up <clears throat> in high school, I realized that stuff had a huge impact on like my friends at least. Oh, like, yeah, they were for sure. All, always seeing like 10 girls at the same time. You know, mm-hmm. on Tuesday, I'm going to see this girl. On Wednesday, I'll see you. Blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. Right? The problem is, Okay, I'm not trying to knock anybody for trying to be polyamorous or whatever, but then there's a certain level of respect that is diminished. It's not right. a respect 
level. It's like, yo, you're just some shorty I see that gives me head or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then on, and then growing up, you might be in your mid twenties, still doing that same thing. So where do you ever stop to slow down, to start putting in the work, to say maybe this could work if I work, if she works, and on the other hand, be open to saying this might not work. We should not make this work. The best thing for us to make this work is for us to split apart. And that is the most beautiful thing for that we could do is be separate. You ever hear that song? Uh, never mind. I don't remember the lyric, but there's a lyric uh, that I, I think describes this really well. I'll remember it later. Please, please remember it, man. And also remember that whack rest vegan restaurant too. But yeah, um, I'm a guy's vegan restaurant. I'll put them on blast. Don't ever go there. Greg. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, you know, having said all that, and you make some really great points, a lot of great bars, and hopefully you remember the bars from that lyric. I think it comes down, this is me. And remember, I'm somebody very late with the dating game. Like, I didn't really start dating. I didn't, um, I really wasn't with a girl until 21. So that's a really long time. That's the end of college, man. I'm, I mean, I remember the funny, one of the funny, you'll, you'll find this funny, is uh, one of my friends from home. And I told him, like, yeah, man, I, uh, I didn't get laid once as a president of fraternity. And he said, Matt, you were the president of a fraternity. <laughs> and, you know, looking back now, I probably, again, what I know now, I probably, that might have been different, but it had to happen that way to make me stronger, a better, I think a better partner for somebody from being so late, being the friend zone guy, being somebody. Yeah. I remember one of my roommates smashing someone or I should say, or, you know, uh, got laid. I remember the girl text me. I'm like, Oh my God, she wants to talk to me. She's like, Hey, can you get me? Can you get me? I left my sweater in your roommate's room. I said, I literally said to her, don't talk to me. I said, get it yourself. Like that was the type of guy I was. And, uh, and it was fine for what it is. And I had a lot of growth from it. Then now when I started getting confident and then when I really hit a glow up, I saw like, Oh, this is zero to 100. This really isn't as complicated as people make it seem. So, you know, I dated some people, some, you know, some, and I was in some good relationships. I was in some that, you know, could have gone differently, but, uh, all in all, I learned more about myself and, and things. And then, you know, there was a couple of relationships I could have on the top of my head where things did work at the right place at the right time. You know, I learned sometimes you will say the right thing will happen. The right timing will happen. I think timing is important. Yeah. You will somehow say the right things. She will, she or whoever you, your partner is will feel the same way in that almost like to call God's gravitational pull. Sometimes I think if you're someone who believes in, in faith or magic or stuff like that, sometimes it just, it just is that way. I guess if you believe in, and obviously Cuba is not real. I think just sometimes wherever life formed to have these people meet at a certain point, whether they swiped each other at this right time or they met uh, from a mutual friend or they met on the streets. And I've also, I've, dated girls that actually met in person too, contrary to beliefs of some people. But um, I think it's just a timing thing. And sometimes, sometimes it just, 
really fall, falls into place when they say you, when you're not looking for something, then it's when it comes. And I figured at that point, you know, if somebody's really down, they'll figure out a way to see you. That's one, one thing I learned. Um, if somebody really wants to figure out to spend time and respect you enough to do that, they will figure out a way. And then you have to do, and you will do the same and have to respect that. And I think for just being around and like dating, I realized that, man, things can, can work. And also the bad things happened to me too. The very last girl I've ever met on a dating app game. And I never told anyone this. I got stood up for the first time a few weeks ago. Literally, I got what? Yeah, I got stood up, bro. Dang, the, wow. the day Joe Biden, so the J, the day Joe Biden won the election, I'll remember. I got stood up. Seriously, what happened was, I was just talking to someone. I thought it was vibing. It was good. So she was really weird. She didn't want. I wanted. I, I suggested to go to all these places we can meet and stuff and uh, like to eat and stuff. Cause I think that's the best way to start. And she just didn't want to. I was like, okay. And then I was like, you know, I didn't know what to do. I'm not, I'm not going to have, I'm not going to imply to go to someone's house. Cause no, that's not right. It's weird, especially at this time. So, I, I my hands were tied and I was just planning to go to this site in Norwalk where you can sightsee. And my plan was just to talk to them and get to know them. And, uh, wasn't really planning on to make a move. I just met this person. So, um, I figure, cause, cause I'm, I'm offering all these restaurants and bars you want to go to. And you say, no, I offered the bowling alley and you say no. So what else am I going to do? But you still want to hang out. So, I suggested to go to this play, this sightseeing spot and we could just like walk around there, like this little park area. And she didn't show up. She straight up didn't show up. So did you get her back or not? What'd you do? So, so what happened? So we, um, yeah, I tried to hit her up and she blocked me. She blocked me, bro. She, uh, after we made those deals, like, Hey, where are you? I called twice then the text wasn't going through and she just straight up blocked me and uh, I guess she changed her mind without telling me. And I was literally like, you know what? What am I really, what am I really worrying about with these apps anymore? What am I really about trying to find someone where you could just get stood up? So that really became, even though that was just a little less than a month ago, I just realized, wow, like I know I'm a good catch I know I work hard. I know I can really enlighten someone's life and I know someone can enlighten me. So from then I just not worrying about it no more. And I know that when the time's right, it will all come together. And, um, you know, like I said, Gabe, we've mentioned, I've had dates who either have stood me up or who come with me only to sleep with someone else to an event. That's part. <laughs> but I've also had amazing, Getting on relationships that were amazing, going to a Yankee game with someone, or, or beautiful New Year's Eve night, or stuff like that, where things worked. Maybe they only worked, or maybe those times only worked for, for a little bit, but at least worked at that time. And um, I figured there's someone out there for me who will, who will do those for multiple nights, and I'll just be so happy to be in their company. And there's definitely been I've been in relationships that, um, didn't work out that I was bummed about, 
what I learned, what I could have done better to probably, you know, it took a hard look at myself. Why didn't this didn't work out? And and I realized some things that I just know for the next person, I, I start seeing that I will not make those same mistakes again. So it is worth going through those heartaches and trials and tribulations. And, you know, once I got stood up, which never happened before, I was like, okay, it can only go up from here. Right. And there's probably will be more days. God forbid, no, stu- get no more getting stood up, but um, at least maybe some dates aren't going to work out. Some days I'm going to probably dates. I remember, I remember I was dating this girl in the city. I thought things were like the moons were the planets were aligned and everything was working. And I remember this talk with this other person. I just said, Hey, I don't know if this is going to work out. And with them also implying him as someone else. And that very day she just said, no, I'm not about it no more. I'm like, of course, I was bummed, but I was like, okay, that's, that's how it be. I can't, I can't dictate how somebody feels about me. That's up to them. So I figured from a mixture of the worst heartaches, the most embarrassing stuff with dating, and then some awesome nights as well that was really beautiful. I figured there's going to be a time in my life that I'll have a partner and things will just always click. And of course, they're, even when I am in a relationship with them, of course, we'll have our ups and downs. We're human. But at least I know somebody's willing to work it out, put that effort and do whatever, you know? So yeah. I know it's quite a complicated answer with that, but that's what, where my beliefs are, that things will come together and it will just, just click for whatever reason. And, and the reason why I was able to figure it out was because I didn't start dating until a few years ago. Yeah. And, uh, seeing um, all different sides of it, you know? Yeah, I feel you, bro. I feel you. So, yeah, but how do you, how, do you feel anyways when, with that openness? Do you think that it's just gonna, sometimes things just, you just don't have an explanation. It just, it just happens. Yeah, that's possible? Like yeah, 100%. I, I think you gotta, it's a ref, you gotta reflect on yourself, though. And it's, it's, it's not always... You know what? To bring it back, you asked me the first question, like, so what you've been up to? You know, I'm at Yale painting, blah, 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 right? Yeah. There's sometimes we, we have, we all paint, we paint, we bring our paintings to what they call the pit. And that's where we have our critiques. There's sometimes people like the paintings and there's sometimes people don't like the paintings. Or there's sometimes the conversation goes good, sometimes the conversation doesn't go good. But that's not always an indicator if the work is good. Sometimes it is. Yeah. So it's worth listening to what happened in that situation of the critique of anybody's feedback or anybody's thoughts about what I'm doing. It's important to think about that, but realize the world is bigger than Yale. The world is bigger than yeah. whatever fucking app you're on. The world is bigger. So, but it's important to, to, to say that since Yale is also a part of the world and a very big part of of a lot of ideas that get disseminated into the world, it's important and, and important that it's it's crucial to think of what's happening. But that's not the only metric. So to take that back to what you're saying, somebody standing you up or somebody something going bad, it's important to look at that and say, this is in some way a reflection of them, but there's also a reflection on me somehow. Let me try to use this as right. a moment to think to think like what what is it about me am i being my best version or am i what do i need to improve on did i say something that was wrong and sometimes you get into scenarios where you're like yo actually 
I didn't say fucking anything wrong. Like, I was just being me. And so whatever the consequences are for that, I'm willing to take it. Whether that be you stand me up or you you try to, you know, lay down with me. Whatever, either way. Like, I'm being me uncompromisingly. So each more and more and more days that the days go by, that's, that's where I am. More and more and more and more, I realize all that I need is, has been placed within me. And it's up for me to dig out and bring that to the forefront of my expression. Whether or not it's agreed or not, it's, that's not important. What is important is that I am being me, uncompromisingly so, you know? Absolutely, man. And I did reflect on that. I was like, what, was it something I said? Was it this? And, oh, and, and it's because you, you told her, you told her that you like the New York Knicks. <laughs> no. For real. No, we didn't talk about the sports that time. <laughs> oh, all right. You got that on one of your profiles? Oh, I like the Knicks. <laughs> no, I got it. I have my Knicks part right in this top studio over there. Maybe she Yo, did since really- I was a Knicks fan. That's the fucking bad luck, man. You you keep bad energy around you, man. You keep you got the New York Knicks. Come on, man. Oh man, what? let's get into that. Let's get. Bro, look, Knicks. You gotta get it out. It's not good. I Just can't do that. From your clear from your mind, clear from your environment, and you'll do a whole. I bet you, you'll go up like at least ten more points right now. If there's like a life scale, and like it's from zero to a thousand. You'll improve ten points just by getting mixed out. Maybe even more because they're that bad. They're holding you back. <laughs> you know, I look. They announced the roster this year, and I'm just like, oh boy. Y'all do oh, this every year. But every year. um, oh like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, we gonna get KD. I remember they was talking about yeah, we gonna get Kobe. Oh, AI <laughs> come in. Oh, Paul Pierce. Every year, somebody. There's somebody. Nobody wants to go there. Derrick Rose literally was on the phone crying. <laughs> When he found out he was getting traded to the Knicks, bro, I can't, I can't turn my back on the New York Knickerbockers. Seriously, Why? because, bro, like, I'm just, I just can't. That's because it's just being in a relationship and getting cheated on. That is what it is to be a Knicks. You're putting <laughs> all your cheated on your time in, all of this stuff, right? And they just don't improve. They just keep cheating on you every day. But you just like so complacent that you don't want to walk away. It's the same thing. I'll, I'll be one second, bro. Are you going to show us some next year? Yo, Matt, you need to cut this shit out, bro. That's what's fucking your life up. Damn straight, bro. I cannot leave the Knicks. I was just, I just watched the Knicks one day when I was seven and I was stuck ever since, bro. We're just right here. That's the farm, Marbury. You damn right it is. I've held this, this is one of my proudest possessions. Change of China right here. That man, Stephon Marvin. Bro, there's nothing wrong with the players. Like, they, a lot of times they have great players. They're just, they just never, it just never works. They, the they've Knicks. had some, some of the best talent on that team, but it just never works. Yes, the Knicks haven't won the NBA Finals since 1973. They haven't even been in the finals since 19, well, no, 1999 they were in the last finals. But still, that's 21 years ago. And uh, I can't leave the Knicks game as much as they frustrate me, as much as they give me a headache, and as much as they embarrass me, and it has been a personal flaw. The New York Knicks are just my team, the local team, the closest one to me. Went to my first Knicks game at nine. Was Stephon Marbury, Jamal Crawford, Tim Thomas, Kurt Thomas, those guys. 
Allen Houston, end of Latrell Sprewell. I cannot turn my back. I was just not even my, my, my dad's not even not really a Knicks fan <laughs> or my brother. I just because hmm? he's smart. I just I just bit was born watching him, and I just thought this is cool. I love basketball, um, and. Even watching players from Nate Robinson, even though he got knocked out by Jake Paul, and he was a Nick. Um, bad example. He wore Nick's colors. <laughs> he you know, did wear Nick's colors. And blue. Whether it's David Lee's or your Amari's or Mellow's and Tyson Chandler's, it's just a um, – I just – my heart's into it. I know it's going to be a long time since we're good again. We do have literally the worst owner in the NBA probably with James Dolan and uh, – but there's just going to be someday, Gabe. I figured it took the Chicago Cubs 108 years in between World Series. And I would have been a White Sox fan. Like, if I was from Chicago, <laughs> like, I'm, the thing is, there's nothing cool about being mediocre. It's, it's like, if anything in my life, if it keeps disappointing every day, every year, it never meets the expectation, it never meets the standard, it don't even meet me halfway at all. Why would I keep that in my life? Sports teams is no different. People want to talk about bandwagon. It's not bandwagon. It's just being a fan of people who have integrity, people who, who give their all to the game. That's why I'm going to go with what they call the winning team. But it's, yeah, because I'm a winner. I'm not trying to be around losers, scrubs, who find a way to lose every year, find a way to disappoint me every year. It's just like the girlfriend cheating on you every day. You leave. You leave. You go to the good things. What about the day when the Knicks are good again, though? That's huh? just... What about the day when the Knicks are good again? I mean, there was a long time where the Warriors were the NBA's trash, and then they they just won um, three finals you know in four happened? years. You know what happened when the Warriors got good? What? I was a Warriors fan. <laughs> when Steph Curry was a pick away from the Knicks. One pick away from picking Steph Curry. If he would have went to the Knicks, he wouldn't have been half the player. They would have found a way to ruin his career. Do you think they ruined KP's career? They ruin everybody's career. So just like, what the fuck? Me and Spike are the ones staying loyal. Look, well, the thing is, the, the smartest thing you could do as being on the Knicks is to leave the Knicks. <laughs> That's the best thing you could do. Leave. Look right here. I have this pick, one of my picks on the wall. Hold up. Still Spike's loyal right here. No, Rocking he's staying for the games. Hey, he, he won an Oscar for this movie. He's, he's directing right here. Look, Spike is a good dude, and he's smart enough to not support them anymore because they kicked him out of the game. What the, why, you kicked Spike Lee? The, the, the old, like, are you serious? <laughs> that man has got got so much right. money as 20-plus years supporting them. The One of the worst he franchises. Reggie Miller for us. Huh? I said he fought Reggie What's Miller that? for us. Oh, he's getting ready to scrap with Reggie Miller. <laughs> I think all the NBA players all the time. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. And you know, I want to. This is I'm, this is a good moment. I'm gonna take this back to something right now. Just the the general notion of respecting artists and respecting people who are showing support and doing what is supposed to be correct. Because yeah. that's what that's what ends up happening. You always get shot on, just like they shot on Spike Lee for trying to. <laughs> I don't want no pun intended for doing the right thing and <laughs> by supporting the team. It's the same way that they'll do it to you as somebody in the industry trying to 
trying to go by their rules or trying to go by the way it's supposed to be set up. And it's the same thing they're going to try to do to me if I try to go by the rules that they set up for me as an artist. Guess what's going to happen? They're going to, they're going to get rid of me in five years. They're going to just say, all right, we're tired of you. So that's why it's really important to take ownership and accountability in everything you do and put it in my hands. Or I'm going to be holding up the cardboard. I'm not holding up no cardboard. I'm not trying to be on the, on the damn park holding up, you know what I mean, being broke, homeless, asking for money, asking. No. So... I try to I try to take as much responsibility as I can for all of my actions. And I guess with that comes a certain kind of mentality that I just despise that I see in the New York mix. <laughs> Bro. We could turn it around so damn. You know the Giants are having a bad four years and we're in first place as of today. And the NFC East. We're first place. Still- damn right. Because the entire NFC East sucks. Yeah, so it's, so- like, it's like the idea, right? There's, there's the idea of it's like having the most amount of the least money. That's what it is. The most amount of the least money. Yes, it's <laughs> like if between me, you, and Brad, <laughs> right? Let's say you have a dollar, Brad has two dollars, I have five dollars. And because I have five dollars, that means I have twice as much as you, and I have five times as much as Brad. So between us three, I'm considered rich. But in the grand scheme of things, $5 can't get you anything. No. So I have the most amount of the least money. So the, the Giants, they have the most amount of wins in the worst division. It, it's, it's, pride. There's no pride in that. They're going to the league on a, into the playoffs. Hosting on a, a playoff game. And a technicality. <laughs> There's no pride in that. There's no respect. If if I was playing them in the in the playoffs, I would I would run the score up. Bro, trust the new Daniel Jones. Trust my man Obi. He's the one. My Obi's gonna be of the field. He fell in the middle of the field trying to get a touchdown. What the fuck was that? Hey, he scored right after though. But uh, you know, it was pretty ridiculous. But we got. And yo, wait. My my bad. My bad. Sorry. You know what? I have to recalibrate this entire thing. <laughs> I said what I said, and I feel that. It's frustrating. Simultaneously, we forget these people are human beings. And that's another thing I don't like. I don't like that. It's funny, because I told you I'm going to stop saying things I don't like. But maybe this is the last day I air out all the things I don't like. I don't like that. Appreciate it for this show. Yeah, I don't, I don't like that we look at athletes or celebrities, entertainers, whatever, and act as if they're property and infallible or they're they 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 have to they can't do any wrong and as if because they get paid a certain tax or they're in a certain tax bracket or they get a certain amount of money that that means that we now have all the right to throw dirt on them and throw dirt on them and then, you know so, so at the end of the day they believe like i believe at the end of the day yeah. that we're, we're still human beings i thought it was absolutely appalling when people were clapping when kd went down remember that yeah, in the finals, that was for, fucked for, up. For the rock, the up. the Raptors, the Raptors when he broke the, his Achilles, that was fucked up. That's yo, that that that. Are you serious? And then also, man, I just I just lost my train of thought. But just that idea is just that's crazy to me. We put oh, and then at stuff. the same time, at the same time, they then get upset at him when he doesn't want to talk to media in a certain way. They then criticize every tweet he does. Imagine that kind of pressure. 
people can't even go to their job and take orders from their boss flipping patties. And they have the same audacity to critique Kevin Durant for doing anything. You know, they have the same audacity to critique Kevin Durant for not talking to the media in a certain way or for not dropping 30 points on any given night or and then clap when he tears his Achilles. That's fucked up. Yeah. I, I wouldn't put that on nobody. And, and that's why I, I respect I respect all those players that I mentioned. I respect, I respect those organizations. I just think that they, they're terrible. But it's still the same thing. Is that, that doesn't mean that I'm going to go to the next game and throw a milkshake at James <laughs> Dolan or throw a milkshake at one of the players or clap when they get injured. That's, that's not right. Yeah, we can't put too much thought whether it's celebrities or professional athletes because you're right, they are human at the end of the day. They are just like us. And there was a time when they wasn't famous. Okay, obviously some people get famous way earlier than others, but everyone is human and we have to respect that element. It was easier for me to do that because of work you know, being amongst yeah. a lot of high profile people, but I realized just they're doing something at the end of the day to get food on the table for themselves and their families and put a roof over their head and showcasing their talents and prove it's like, um, when people would used to, I don't get like people who would criticize Kevin Hart because he quote unquote went to mainstream from his humble standup um, beginnings. Hey man, why are you mad? He did the hard work. He put himself out there. If you heard his story, he had a lot of obstacles to overcome and he was just doing what was best for him and his family at the end of the day. And we have to respect that. And that's like when watching with athletes, when they are picking new teams to go to with their free agents, you just have to remember what they did and, and what they're doing is for what's best for them. And if we look at, you know, uh, our past, especially um, like, you know, athletes who were, were treated like shit and like things I'm talking about, like people of athletes who were um, people of color, like in baseball, like the before the color barrier broke. And then once it did break with Jackie Robinson, um, it was a good time for like the 40s to 60s. He only played 10 years, but he just got so much shit all the time from people. And it was just hypocritical for him. And Though he was bringing joy, they he, they still judged him from the color of his skin. You know, one thing we all you know the Brooklyn Dodgers moved to LA, and um, one of the reasons why they weren't getting attendance, you know, in Flatbush at the time was a um, huge black neighborhood, but we did a lot of white people didn't want to go there and watch their team cheer them on because they didn't want to be amongst them, which is yeah. obviously wrong at some level. And then there were so many athletes, especially in segregated places where they had to be in completely different hotels, way farther away from the um, stadium they were played at. And that, that led to Kurt flood fighting for, um, he didn't want to be seen as property. I don't know if you know the story of Kurt flood, great fielder. No. Um, he basically helped create free agency because he would, he, there was a time in clause where players were almost looked at as property and breaking the fifth, oh. breaking the 13th amendment. And he lost his career standing up for it. He could, he probably could have been a hall of famer the way he was going, he played for the Cardinals and he refused to get traded to the Phillies because he didn't want to be treated as that property. He'd rather be a free agent and um, make his case there. And then that changed the game for it. Can I interject right here? Look, yeah. that's another thing. They still are treated like property. And it's, it's, it's fr- yeah, frustrating. Yeah, all athletes are. Yeah, because they, since they get hundreds of millions of dollars or $10 million or $5 million, or you could be a bench player and still get $750,000, whatever, you know what I mean? People act as if, oh, fuck it. They don't get, that's not the right mentality. That's fucked up. And also, I was listening to Steven Jackson. Have you, do you ever listen to All the Smoke, all the Smoke podcasts? No, I have. Is it good? Really good. Steven Jackson and Matt. 
they invite oh, really? they invite yeah, they invite NBA players on there, they invite all kinds of people on there and they talk just like you and I are talking because yeah, yeah they can't be themselves to a certain well, they are themselves, but there's certain they, they don't want to get distorted and so they have a, a they create a space for themselves to be able to just talk unfiltered amongst each other and and not have so much pushback or feedback against it. But he was saying when he was traded, I forgot from which team to which team. You know how he found out? He found out because he was in a bar and saw it on TV. Wow. It's the Sam Jackson traded to so-and-so. He's like, this is the first time I heard of this. <laughs> yeah. You see, they didn't consider what this man was going through, what his life was, and they say that's just the business. That's why I love LeBron James so much. I think, in my opinion, I think, you know, I oh, think hey. very, very highly of him, but he gets so much criticism because people, he, they criticize him for everything, but one of the criticisms that he gets is that, Oh, he didn't do it with one team. Oh, he jumping around. Wah, 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 wah. No, he's taking ownership and who he is. He's taking, right. he, he's taking the power back from these people who don't care about who he is. But he's, he's put himself in such a position where they have to respect him. He is the king of the NBA. What he does, Definitely. they have to respect. If LeBron's not stepping on that court, they know they got a problem. So he's got into such a position to have that much authority and influence that what he says is what's going to happen. So if he wants to go to L.A., he going to L.A. If he wants to go to Miami, he going to Miami. Burn his jersey all once. That man has, he's attained a certain level of freedom and opened up the gates for other players to take their destiny in their own hands and not give it to the owner so much and not give it to all these other people, but to say, I want to play with this other dude. I'm going to make that happen. I'm going to make sure I get my contract set up. I'm going to make sure they stop. They don't play me, you know? Right. Yeah. And that's what Kurt Flood really stood for and fought for that. And he sadly lost his career from it. Never made the Hall of Fame, but he stood up to help create the players agency and make them not property. And again, back to my point, why, you know, Dodgers had to move out of Brooklyn. People weren't coming for obviously prejudice and wrong reasons. And yet, they were so pissed when they moved out to LA, but you weren't going to see these guys. And they, again, viewed these athletes as ownership and our property. They had to do what they had to do to get, to just get food on the table at the end of the day and had to relocate. Like, you know what I mean from all that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So it's just, it's shame. And it just, just really made my blood boil seeing that, especially just how awful, you know, especially athletes who were people of color, especially. And yet they were most of the time, they were the ones superior in leading the teams. And it's just, it's just, um, we still have so much ways to go, but luckily we at least are father enough that we're not in that kind of level, but we still have a but lot of work to do. Think about this in the Negro leagues, because the Jackie Robinson thing was very controversial because in the Negro leagues, they said the only thing that was white was the ball. That was the only white <laughs> thing about in the Negro the leagues, yeah. in the Negro leagues because it was black ownership. They were booming in business and the MLB knew that yeah. they had, uh, you know, there was, it was, it was just, and it's, it comes down to like that gang mentality. It's like, yo, this is my block. That's your block. Mm-hmm. But once you start, you know, once you start making more money on your block, I got to find a way to cut in on that. Right. That's what's happening and so they're like yo we got to find a way to do the inevitable because one way or another we see where the tide of the country is going we see at one point or another there's going to be a desegregated something so let's make that step and knock off this negro leagues and open up the market for us even more and that really changed things and then there was no more negro leagues a few years after you know yep but anyway aside from that think about that same idea how how much, how much agency is stripped from 
the baseball player, the basketball player, the actor, the artist. How much agency is strict? We're supposed to just be going with whatever they want me to do. We're supposed to be doing whatever they say I'm supposed to do. But isn't that the whole point of what art is supposed to be about? Isn't that what isn't what the whole point of being a, a ball player is? Without just in the in the documentary that they released, The Last Dance, Michael Jordan was like, "Yo, I didn't see you. Y'all, I didn't see you playing with the flu. I didn't see you playing mm -hmm. with broken ankles and broken foot. That was me." I put the team on my back. We won the championship. Yeah, y'all set it up. You made the right moves and stuff, but don't get it confused. Without me, there is no you. And it's the same thing. Without the baseball player, there is no baseball. There is exactly. no man. Without, without you, there is no production. Without, without me, there is no gallery. So no I'm breathe, tired. With no air, there's no you either. Right, that's what I'm saying. So I'm tired of, of people using 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 things as situations to leverage over and act as if I'm supposed to live in fear and supposed to bow down to the way it works. You know what I'm saying? No, that's not how it's supposed to go. So artists need to start, step their game up and, that's and demand their worth. That's one great thing about Chance the Rapper. No yeah. label, and specifically no label. And he... Honestly, he just banked on himself and became one of the biggest rappers, I mean, musicians and artists in the world. And he's not stripped down from artists. Like one thing, one guy, you and I both admire Prince and how Prince, got, yeah. he got fucked over by the music industry since he takes oh. ownership. And that's why yeah. the artist part, artists formerly known as Prince. Yeah, yeah. And he helped start that um, fight for the major change coming. And you know, again, it was a sacrifice. Who knows how much bigger he could have got? Obviously, he's a legend for a reason. But we have to admire our artists who really stuck up and fought against those suits and the agencies that they are, they're not property. They are their own. And that's what's great also about having a podcast. And as you mentioned, Stephen Jackson and Matt Barnes's podcast is it's not censored or filtered. And they can, it's just on the responsibility of the content creator to do the right thing amongst it now that they have that freedom. Because there's a lot of people who fought to make it possible, and we cannot forget them. 100%. And that's what I'm saying. I'm taking the freedom for me and my position as an artist to run the way, the run my practice the way I'm going to run it. So I'm not going to let a gallery or XYZ try to dictate things. No, we're in a partnership. You know what I'm saying? Yes, we are. I, I provide this. You provide this. We're working together. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. not this dominant thing where I have to just bend over and say, yes, sir. Fuck out of here. That's not what this is. But the, th the thing that gets it messed up is because there's almost like a majority rule. So you need more people to be like-minded with that because there's a sense of normalcy and expectation created. So when somebody comes to my studio and wants to purchase something or wants to do business with me in any way, they have an expectation built upon how other people in my environment at a similar stage in their career are at how that should be run. And then it messes it up for me. So let's say me and you, you have a studio right next door to me and there's a collector or, somebody, or a gallery or somebody who says, hey Matt, we like to buy a painting and you have like this big painting and and they're like, how much is it? And you say, I'll sell it for like $20,000. Like, no, 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 we'll sell, no, that's too much. We'll tell you what it is. We'll tell you what it is. It's 
I'll give it, I'll take it for 5,000. And you say, really five? You know what, that sounds good. And you shake their hand and go, right? Then they come to my studio and I have the big painting and they say, yo, how much for that big ass painting? And I tell them something like, I say, I say the same number, I say 20,000. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh no, next door, you know, we, we, we just got the same thing for five. 20 is way too high. We just paid five for this. I'm like, well, nigga, if you want the shit for five, go back to Mass Studio, the same Mass Studio. Right. Gave this is you. Exactly. So that's the problem is is continuity and consistency. And these people have an expectation like it's like a one size fits all. That's the way he wanted to run his business. But that's me and him are different. When you go to Walgreens and they sell a smart water, the smart water, you buy it for three dollars. When you go to the airplane, that same fucking smart water bottle is eight dollars at the yep. at the. I know where they, that comes from. The free market. It's horrible. It's wrong. One of the downsides of capitalism is manipulating and taking advantage of things like that, man. Yeah, but my thing is, is just to take the power into your hands as an artist. Take the power into your hands as the creator and saying, no, this is the terms. We're telling you, we're not going to get, I'm not going to get played and do all this. You know, it's, I'm very, very appreciative and, and and respectful of the fact that people have interests. It's just frustrating when it's like this overarching thing of we don't have to make it that complicated it has to it doesn't have to be we and that's one of the great things you another thing you taught me is about being confident and loving yourself and showing and proving your worth and i think that's one of the ultimate things i want to get out of my guests is is you are as cool as you are it's your worth and i've naturally will have that for the rest of my life because of you gabe and seriously it's one of the best lessons you taught and Honestly, knowing you're good enough. That's why this podcast is a thing. It's just like, I can be good enough to have these, like the people I look up to and just make it my own at the end of the day. One of my mentors, right? He, he told me a, while, a long time ago and I never, never left. He said, don't let anybody define your world for you. Yeah. Maybe so Same it to me. It's that Do not let anybody define your world for you. This is your world. This is my world. This is what it is. You know what I'm saying? And I just have a huge issue with that of people trying to devalue you because what ends up happening, it's, it's like when people try to like buy property, they say they'll put, you'll see like the president or somebody, you'll see somebody, they'll, they'll talk about, oh, it's a shithole area, you know, or it's a, uh, it's gang infested, you know, it's terrible, 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 right? They're putting all that propaganda out because they know it's gonna devalue it. And so then they're like, oh, bet. So then they go to those neighborhoods and say, look, let me tell you, you, you might charge a hundred, this is arbitrary numbers. You might charge a hundred thousand dollars for this house, but nah, I'm gonna tell you what it is. It's 20,000, I'll give you 20 and you could go. And they buy it for 20 and then a year later, it's a whole new, community development project and it looks amazing and then it's it's all new kinds of people in there and so they tell you what it's worth because they want it and they want to flip it and make it more valuable it's it's total exploitation that's what it is i could amen to that and would, know that you're good dude, would you ever go to the the hermes store you would never go to hermes gucci Louis Vuitton or any any big name store, you would never walk in that store and they tell you it's a five hundred dollar belt. You would never say, No. I paid twenty for this belt. <laughs> like a Canal Street those times. <laughs> I do it on Canal Street though, that's a fact. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> but you were but saying you want, to do, you want to do it to Gucci. So don't let nobody do that to you. And I don't let nobody do that to me. And we have yeah. to hold each other accountable. And we have to, you know, make things fair. I want people to, to be able to, to enter my world. I want people to be able to have access to what I'm doing. And I want to share the ideas I have with the world. But not at the cost of me being fucking bent over. Uh, my whole dignity is stripped. Everybody's trying to tell me who I am. Everybody's rephrasing, rephrasing my artist statement. Everybody's rephrasing the words that I put out. Everybody, no. If that's the cost it is, then that's that's not even an option. No, art is not that. It's just like hip hop. It's you do what you want, and what I want is this. This is how I'm telling you what my work is. You know the thing is, what people be trying to do. They'll ask you. They'll ask me like, yo, what? Tell me what this painting is, and I'll tell them. Blah, blah, blah. They write it down, and then they write it on an article and say, Gabriel Mill says this, this, this. I'm like, that's not what I said. And then I'll be like, yo, you, you, you misquoted me. They're like, oh no, I just wanted to, I wanted to rephrase it because it made it sound better. I'm like, so you're trying to act like I don't know what I'm saying. So you know what to say more than I know what to say. How are you going to tell me more about what I'm doing more than what I'm telling you what I'm doing? Take the quote. That's what it is. Yeah. People will be doing that. That's, that's. I don't like it. I, I don't like it either. It, you, that's where we have to emphasize it. Bro. I feel I've been a little negative. So we have to, can I play a song real quick? Absolutely. Absolutely. Can I just say just this is one quick point and then I would love to hear something is all, all I was just saying is you have to, especially with that ownership is we can't, we have to emphasize being our own, our own culture, our own um, image. Like one of the cool things, you know, I like Leonardo DiCaprio, but you said, don't be the next Leonardo DiCaprio, be the next Matt Brown. And that was a euphoria moment. And that's where I have my own identity, my own brand. And again, even though I just said it, identity, emphasizing the identity that's yours and the people will follow. And I've said that about my this podcast. I'm just going to be myself and the following will come. So amen to that. Yeah. So what were you going to play? I don't even know if I'll play it, but I just, sure. I just needed to take a step back because I don't want to, I don't want to take up airtime being frustrated. Nah, man, we're, this is, like I said, this is your podcast as much as mine. So Flory's yours. So we thank our friends at transistor.fm to let me do unlimited. Seriously, extreme thanks to them. Um, you know, one thing I wanted to ask with ownership, um, just two things. I'm just curious about this. You know about OnlyFans? You have a fucking OnlyFans? No, no, no. I'll just say, no, I don't have an OnlyFans. No. Yeah, I know about it. Okay. So the thing about OnlyFans, OnlyFans was a site dedicated for people to show their own content. Now it, now, more adult in the porn industry, a lot of individuals have gone to there to showcase their porn. Even though it's, it's OnlyFans is actually more for anyone. I can make an OnlyFans to do if you want to pay for my podcast. But obviously, one of the things has branches with porn. But some people have been very um, – have actually lauded OnlyFans because it, because it gives somebody who's – interested in doing sex work, their own platform to do it because there's been so many things with, with porn, what with um, like 
the porn sites that are a bit more demanding, taking a lot of pay, taking a lot of their um, stuff out, taking away their identity. But OnlyFans has actually been applauded for giving people who are interested in that work, um, uh, you know, their own platform to do that. And I was wondering, do you think that kind of relates to what we do with what we were talking about with showing their ownership, even in that type of industry? Do you think it's um, something you kind of support with that? I don't support pornography, mm-hmm. uh, but I'll But yeah, this isn't exact. This wasn't a, oh. a porn specific. I'm talking about only fan. It happened to be porn, but I'm talking about this is an example of somebody, even if we might not agree or like what they're doing with it, but at least they're being themselves amongst it. And that's what's cool that OnlyFans has provided. I mean, honestly, it could provide anyone who uses that platform, but especially one who's interested in that. Yeah, all right, yeah, my bad. Content aside, yeah. I, yeah, talk to, about OnlyFans as the only thing to give their own content to be in ownership, not yeah, the content give, within it. Yeah, without having to be censored or filtered or have somebody yes. in the middle and distort what you wanted to communicate. Exactly. Either good intention or bad intention, you don't even have to deal with that. It's a direct consumer relationship. You know, you don't have to worry so much about that. I, I, like, I like that move, but then the problem is, you might just get drowned out. Right. So the thing is, the thing is with something like OnlyFans versus, I don't know, let's say, let's say a big platform like Spotify or Apple Music or, yeah. or if you had like a deal with somebody, the thing is those things, the, the reason those people take a cut is because they, they're supposed to be helping you, pushing you somehow right. to, because there, there's industry set up to help you, I don't want to say to help you, but that to help them win and to try to help you win. And but sometimes it's like a kind of 360 deal. Sometimes those deals aren't as glorious as it looks. It's like a huge compromise. But sometimes it's not, depending on how much authority and leverage you could have on a situation. Right. So, so you might go far getting a, a deal with Spotify. But you also could get far just having your own YouTube podcast. Yeah, you have to go abide by their rules at that point. Yeah, but sometimes abiding by their rules will get you far financially. It might be able to. It might be able to move you along. You know, just like in my case, working with a gallery will get you far. They will be. They will do the work for you. They will connect you to the right people. They will. They will have the, the monographs and the books written for you. They'll have you in the museum's collections. That is a good thing. Sometimes there's things I can't do on my own. I need to have somebody, I need to have a platform so we could work together. My big problem is just that idea of one trying to overpower the other and not right. seeing that this is a partnership and not a dictatorship. And in the case that we just mentioned a second ago, I don't know how much, I don't know the ins and outs of what a OnlyFans or what a YouTube or what a Spotify, how those would, how those like actually manifest. But I can say in my position, like a gallery, a good gallery is a really good thing. A Spotify could be a really good thing or X, Y, Z, but the, the real idea is it's freedom. That's what it sounds like. Freedom, yeah. Don't. Like that's the thing, the content aside, I should have made more of an emphasis with that. I know the stigma with OnlyFans, but 
content yeah. aside for what provide. And again, it's not only pornography. You could do whatever you want with OnlyFans. I've yeah. seen people do OnlyFans with painting, actually. I've seen people who have done OnlyFans to showcase collections. That's just what the majority is. And that's what's cool about OnlyFans. The, the, the organization is allowing content creators, no matter what content they're creating, to allow that freedom to do what they want, dictate what they want. Can they can set the price, whatever they want as well. That's what I think is cool about OnlyFans. And it, it is interesting how, what it has evolved, but that's not the only thing about it. We're only focusing on the fact that OnlyFans is starting to give products, to give platforms, to get people paid for what they want to showcase. And, and, and for yeah. whatever reason, the pornography is the first one to do it, to make a big impact yeah. on it, but hopefully more other things can grow out of it. And that's what's... Yeah. Another similar is with, uh, with Twitch, we're seeing that. I, th- I don't know if you can create a – I don't think you do so, but I know Twitch has been a great way for people showcasing their content there. Obviously, podcasting, one of the ultimate examples that we're talking about, being able to do a show my way independently and having a um, an audience grow with it. And, of course, there have been people telling me how I should run the podcast, but I'm doing it my way and been very fortunate to have um, – to have the downloads and viewership. I actually I hit 500 downloads today and the show has been only around for a month and a half. And that's just doing for what I want to do and how I want to approach it. And uh, we'll only keep going from there. And we still have so, so much work to do. But at the end of the day, the reason why we keep growing is because of what you are emphasizing is having ownership, having your own identity and having the confidence to show that you are good enough. And that's an, another thing I really want to emphasize is that people are good enough whenever they're creating things. And I've I met somebody who made their own podcast after talk with me. And I said, don't worry about the work. You will have to invest in it, but you're good enough to showcase your own content and have a following for it. And anyone has that. That's with your, all your work you're doing. That's what I'm doing and anyone else besides that. So shouts to, shouts to you emphasizing that, Gabe, and I thank you for it. Yeah, word. That's that's all. That's the best we could do. That actually, that's that's our obligation as artists. You have, I believe, if there is an obligation, the obligation is to be you as much as you can, and to not bend over to the to what the expectation of you is. If the expectation of you is detrimental to longevity and detrimental to your your projected success or your projected growth as a human being. How are you supposed to feed your family? How are you supposed to have any kind of lifespan after a year, two years, three years, going off models that have you in such a small territory that don't allow you to expand beyond that? You can't live off that. It's like what? There's a certain point you're just gonna hit a ceiling, financially, creatively. And so it's important to take that, to knock those things down as early as you can to set the tone and the sun appreciate every single moment once we set that tone seriously and thank you and we also support other artists at the same time doing it we don't push it down we can appreciate the competition and drive they give us but at the end of the day we have to respect great art even from our competitors do you feel that that way i i certainly do yeah 100 percent. it's because good artists it's, it's hard to make good art. In my opinion, it's really, yeah, really, so. really It's Most art is not good. You know, there's, there's a lot of things to that go into it. 
And this is one thing that a film director will understand. Only a film director understands how much work goes into making a film. Only a painter understands how much work goes into making a painting. There's a lot. We give so much to make it as good as we could be, as good as it could be. So if I like a person or don't like a person, I could respect and and appreciate good the, the, the work and craft that's made. I'm curious what you think about cancel culture. Bro. In relation to what? In, in relation to our funny you say that because I was actually going to bring that very thing up next. Oh yeah. man, I can't wait to hear your views on cancel culture, Gabe. I really, really can't. So for me personally, cancel culture, especially in terms of creating content. All right. I think when it comes to canceling someone, I think it's justified and fair when someone is canceled if they commit a crime. If they do something so heinous and a crime and ruins someone's life, it's fair to cancel them. Now, when it in terms of creating your art and stuff, like for instance, if a comedian who's doing a bit, not meant to be prejudiced, and says something wrong, do they deserve to be canceled? And it's a slippery slope. I think anyone is capable of great creating cake content. One thing someone, I think Trevor Noah said, every joke can be funny, but it's up to you to, to, to how you view it. And if you're offended by it or not. So when it comes to all that, I think people need to have more of a conversation. If some, and I, I was talking to somebody about this before too, is uh, if someone says something offensive and wrong, instead of just canceling them right away, taking their career away, ruining their name and reputation as well as their families. I think we should have more of a dialogue to explain, hey, man, you said this and it offended people because of X, Y, and Z. I think we need to have more of a open conversation, especially when content creators are creating stuff to get them canceled. We've seen plenty of stuff throughout the years in great movies, art, and whatever that probably would get canceled to this day, probably as early as 10 years ago. Like, for instance, I watched the original King Kong, and they have the indigenous people and they hired people of color, indigenous people. This is in the thirties and it's really, really, really racist, quite frankly. And we need to talk about, obviously no one's taking that movie away. It's there, but we need to talk about while you're watching this, be wary that this is wrong. This was wrong in the thirties. It is now wrong again, 90 years later. So we need to have those conversations and I really want to hear this from you, especially, Gabe. Should we cancel artists that have been canceled? Can we, obviously, we don't admire the person, but could we still admire their work? Like a Bill Cosby, who had a, was a big deal, but obviously he got canceled. I think it's fair what he did to a lot of women was wrong. But should we never watch the, should we never watch the Cosby show again? Should we never listen to it, watch or listen to a standup? How do you feel about that, Gabe? Yeah, it's definitely case by case scenario. Generally, yeah. generally speaking, someone could totally make great contributions to society or great contributions to art. And we look at that for what it is. Someone like Cosby impacted American culture in such a dramatic way. Yeah. Looking at looking at that show, looking at the stand-up, he's contributed a lifetime worth of effort to a certain kind of art that whether or not people, what I was gonna say, he set precedence. He set a standard that people have derived from. 
that he's impacted and influenced. So whether or not they want to cancel him, they're, I'm 100% sure people are still borrowing content that he's created. Yeah. Planted. So are you going to cancel that too? They said, are you going to like remove all of that and just say everything that this man ever did is inherently evil? No, it's not. Because what he was doing is still, is still the fact of the matter is. That's just like, let's say I don't like Matt Brown. Let's say I hate this guy and everything that you say I denounce. But you could say two plus two is four. That's just true. That doesn't mean that I, I don't listen to that. You could still have a point. You could still have something that is factual. There's situations that, there's situations where the content that this person was creating is inextricably linked to the crimes that they were doing. That's not the case. Maybe it is the case, I don't know. Maybe it's arguable, maybe it's arguable. But the art that was being created we still have to look at that and say, yo, this was great work. This right. influenced culture so much. And we have to take it for what it all is, the entirety of it. You don't, I don't say turn a blind eye to it. Of course. But you look at it for what it is. That's how, how I feel generally. And having that dialogue, we said, and you know, another artist to talk like Woody Allen. Now, Woody Allen has been accused of some really awful stuff. And, but... It's hard to say, but he's one of the greatest screenwriters to ever live, and he has so many great movies on the human spirit ever since as early as the 60s. And honestly, there are some of these movies that I really like. He was really good at capturing the human spirit and human behavior, like whether yeah. it's Annie Hall with love. I think that's an awesome movie about love. It's not a love story, but it's also a movie about love, about falling in and out of love. Um, that won many Oscars, stuff like that. There's... Um, Midnight in Paris is a big one that came out 10 years ago. Just talking about fantasy and realities. But he's just, the stuff he's been accused of when it comes to assault and stuff, like, it, it's it's just heartbreaking that someone would do all this. And But should we, you know, take him away? Should Can we still learn from the movies? We can't learn, not from the individual, can we still learn from his writing? And I think you make a great point. It's And you said it before, great art is great art no matter what. You know, depending on the artists, um, what they do, and we can have this, you know, this chat about um, can you still appreciate the art, but not the artist, and even if the artist did some stuff like that. But um, I think you make a great point with that, and we could still learn, but we could still have that dialogue to say why, you know, this person, why he wrote what he, she, or they created still could be, you know, they still have a past that you need to be wary of but we can still learn from it too, you know? Like, I agree. Who's perfect? Show me, show me one person. No one's perfect. Just, just like, uh, what's his name? Jesus, during the, I don't, I'm gonna get the story wrong, but there's a story in the Bible and it's something to the effect of where everybody's getting ready to stone, stone the adulterer. And he, Jesus pull up and say, yo, if you, if you never committed a sin, then I permit you to throw a stone. Everybody had to drop their stones. Yeah. Because they committed a sin. So who are you to make all these judgments and remove, sometimes that's, that's what I don't like. It, it becomes this way, 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 this blame game, blame game, blame game, but you're not reflecting on the wrongs you've done yourself. Okay, so the right. next point, you have to ask, 
if this person is such an evil person, who I don't even want to use Woody Allen, any just generally, yeah. if this person is such an evil person, you have to ask how much of that evil was being mixed in with the work that they gave us. And is there actually things in there that that we should not look at or not or censor? I, I'll say no 10 out of 10 times. I don't think you should censor things. I think you have to look at it for what it is. Maybe since you now, now have this new information about a person, you reflect on this with a new set of eyes to look at what, what kind of things comes out of a mind like this. But it's not necessarily doing something and watching something and listening to something and reading something doesn't mean that you like it. It doesn't mean you're championing it. I could read Mein Kampf by Hitler. You could see it in my studio. That doesn't mean I believe anything that this man was talking about. Right. I could read thing. I could have the fucking art of the deal. That doesn't mean I like Donald Trump. That's what I don't like. When you say cancel, people just try to erase it as if it doesn't exist and as if you shouldn't learn from these things that these people are doing. They're laying it out for you exactly what they think, exactly how they feel. You should study that. You should be aware of how those patterns occur and then also how it manifests in art. Was a certain type of aesthetic developed from this kind of way of thinking? Was a certain kind of screenwriting developed from this, this way of thinking? Where of, that, where of that negativity that this person carried in them transcribed in the art that they provided for us? And how do we move forward and maybe not even use that? But that doesn't mean you delete it. It doesn't. You can't delete it. You have to, you have to look at it for what it is. Yes, exactly, exactly. You have to look at it what it is and you have to learn from it. These people, it's so easy to cancel people you never met. It's so easy. Again, everybody has their, everyone's made mistakes. Everyone's done stuff they regret. That's part of being human. And that's one of the tough things about celebrities. Essentially, if you're a celebrity now, if you mess up once, you'll have people try to ruin you forever. And it's a lot of pressure for probably someone who's high profile like that. And they have to take everything with a grain of salt. And that's probably one of the things Jackson and Barnes is probably, you know, being wary of, as you were saying that they, now they, people do put way more eyes on them too, because people just want to pounce at someone to mess up to make themselves feel better. But you have to remember just to keep be responsible for your own actions at the end of the day. And if there is something bad, we learn from it. Uh, this pandemic, whether you, whether you, you know, the million things you can talk about regarding the pandemic. One thing we can do, it happened. We have to learn from it and we have to, can't start gaming blames. We have to come together to beat the beat, to beat the uh, enemy in this. And as you were saying before, we just need to learn from the mistakes. And as I said, whether the mistakes a person made and then created content after the mistakes in handling the pandemic, whatever it is, we have to learn from it, you know? Yeah, I agree. I agree. You have to learn from these things. You have to be able to move forward. But there's also points of no return where you say this person is detrimental to society and we can't have this person around. And that's fair to- for the camp, those who truly get canceled like that, the Harvey Weinsteins of the world and stuff like that. Yeah, or, yeah, or people who's going around like on a killing spree or something like that. There's right. no redemption. You have to I find redemption with God, not with our society. Just go to jail. <laughs> you know, like you can't, there's too much. There's a, there's a point of no return. It's not everything is, is so, Easy, uh, easy decision. It's an easy, easy decision to 
put someone in jail who's done crimes that I just mentioned, who's gone and killed a bunch of people. That's easy decision. Yeah. Not an easy decision if somebody if somebody wears a Trump hat and says I support Donald Trump and therefore you, you cancel them. That's that's just what they think. That's what they believe. I don't think that means you throw them in jail, and I don't think that means you don't ever listen to anything they say or anything like that. No, just that's just their opinion. That's just what they think. We just have to be aware of it and uh, make sure you yourself make sure you do your best to not. Um, but also. Sorry, one more time, one more thing. That's why, just the last conversation we had about controlling your own narrative and controlling your own content. You ever see the Allen Iverson, Allen Iverson the interview where, nah, when he's talking about practice? Oh, of course. We ain't talking about they, practice. Yeah, but they try to make a mockery out of that. That was actually a very serious, serious. Yeah. Yeah, the full 30 minute clip, he's sitting there saying, yo, I don't want to be here. My homie just died. Yeah, I got I got my daughter going to school with and the, the damn teachers asking her about your daddy getting traded. Yo, I heard your daddy's getting traded. I heard you move into a different city. Blah 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 blah. All her friends is asking about. He's like, yo, why is my why is my daughter have to go through that? Why y'all asking me these questions? I don't want to be here. We just lost. I'm the MVP. I'm the best player in the world. I have to deal with this. I have to deal with this. And y'all are talking about practice. And all they focused on. Yeah. was the 30 seconds of he's like, we're talking about practice, and they made it into a joke. But if you watch the interview, by the end of the interview, that man's trying to like hold back his his frustration with these people trying to throw all this at him. And that's what we've been going through, man. We have to, that's why it's important that we in an age where I can control my narrative, and you take it for what it is, and there's still going to be outlets who gonna, who's going to distort it one way or another. But the truth is at least there if I'm creating it and somebody's going to have to decide for themselves. There's always going to be a group of people who are just going to go with what everybody else is thinking. There's also going to be another group who just rebel against everything they see. And then there's going to be those who actually look to see and read and see what actually is. And that's the best I could do is give you what it is and you take what it is for you. But don't just run and think with your, with your head chopped off. You know, Actually sit and reflect. That's, that's, what, that's all I would ask anybody. I hear you. That's like also LeBron with people are, uh, it's always talking about the time, yo, is Bronny Jr. doing this? Cause they want to see him to play with um, his dad. He's like, yo, my kid, he's like my, my child for first of all, why do you care about my child? Ask me about the game. And second, he has to worry about his science fair project over whether or not, depending on where he's going to play this summer. It's stuff like that. That again, we have to, be wary and as you said people you don't know what everyone's going through and stuff and like you said that whole 30 clip with alan iverson was just more a plea of a reality check than you're just talking about we talk about practice when he was talking about that serious notion and um i can't agree with you more man and you know sticking on this nba subject and players i have to talk to you about one of our influences kobe bryant one of the guys who helped who helped our um really helped our relationship. We talked about Kobe all the time and we were there the college when he retired in 2016. And unfortunately the world lost him in a uh, very, in late January, him, his daughter and seven other people in a horrendous helicopter crash. And every once in a while it still hits me that one of our major influences on not only in sports and life, it's no longer in on our earth and he's making his impact um elsewhere but bro can you talk to me about that what kobe meant to you 
and um, what he means to you now that he um, sadly no longer with us, but his legacy lives forever. Kobe embodies Kobe embodies the mentality that I will fear no man. I will fear nothing. And everything I'm a mentality. Yes, everything that I need, I have it within me, and I have the power to move past anything, anybody that dares to try with me. I will win, I will come on top every time. And you know how? Because I'll be so obsessive that I'll be in the gym all day, all night, and I'll come back at one in the morning to make sure I, I won't sleep, just to make sure I win that game. You know, I had a bad game this other day, I'm gonna make sure I drop 81. Mm-hmm. He embodied that. Learning and seeing that, seeing that and, and just watching him as a player grow up, it's like, man, that was, that's everything. That was everything that, that we, me and, my, me and my friends who really looked up to him, we really got that. Because that's, that's how we felt. And then seeing him, somebody do that, seeing somebody go hard, play with broken, you know, torn ligaments, torn fingers, broken mm-hmm. fingers, under any circumstance, he's like, no, this is all in my head and I will overcome. He embodied that. And still to this day, I have him in my head all the time when I'm working. And I start to feel like, oh, man, this is really tough. This is, this is difficult. It's, it's, it's almost one of those things that it's like, what would Kobe do kind of thing? Right. You know, if Kobe was in this room with me, he would say, yo, stop being a bitch and get to work. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so Kobe lives on. It's, it's with people like that. They're totally in spirit. You know, what I mean by that is he'll never die because of what he meant to the world and what he meant to the NBA and what he meant just for life. You can learn so much from that man. Absolutely, man. Can you, can you tell me uh, your favorite Kobe moment or one of your, some of your favorite Kobe moments? Yeah. I ain't gonna lie, man. One of the most inspiring things is seeing him drop 60 on his last game. Right? I would, it's Utah I would, Jazz. I would, yeah, against the Jazz. I would watch that game. I've, I've seen that game so many times. Mm-hmm. I would just watch highlights of it every now and then. Like, there was a certain point I'd watch it like every week or every day because it's just like, to do that, that means like, you, you know, the thing is, I've always said by the time when I'm on my deathbed and I'm about to die, I want, I don't ever want to have the feeling of regret or pulling punches or holding back or not actualizing my potential. And if I was to die like today, I'd be pissed off because I actualized everything yet. And seeing Kobe drop 60 on his last game, where usually people on their last game, they don't even play the whole game. They'll like come out in the second quarter or third quarter. They'll just go light. People giving them easy baskets. From the day he came into the league to the day he left, he was 100 all the time. And in that moment, in that last game, that was like the perfect embodiment of that. Last game. 60. Mm-hmm. People don't get 60. In the, that, nobody, that's not, <laughs> you know. This is the last time he's on the court. So I was like, I've given it my off. This is the last you'll see me. Even with this Achilles probably ready to snap, I'm giving it one more time, you know. 
Yeah, yeah. And so, and then right after that, he wins the Oscar. He was just yes. getting started. I say my one of my second favorite Kobe moments. I was listening to an interview he had after he retired, and he was saying he was like, "Yo, my job is that." These 20 years I was in the NBA, my job is to now be better than that, you know, and to mm-hmm. keep going, to realize that this is not just my life. My life is not just that. So now I have to apply the same mentality towards story writing, towards, towards animation, towards film, towards these other creative outlets that I really see that there could be a huge impact and dent on. When in that interview that he was having and said that, I was like, yo, that's, that's amazing. It never stops. Oh, man. He proved I it just it, it hurts me to know that there was so much left he had to contribute, but his legacy will never die. And I mean, winning an Oscar, not, they don't give Oscars to anybody. He yeah, just, you can't, you can't just walk your way into that. <laughs> and just the ultimate when he said he called out that on his, I remember his Oscar speech, that Fox News reporter who said to LeBron, "You all you NBA players should not basically talk about when they were trying to use their platform to talk about." social justice yeah. issues and then the fox news reporter says shut up and dribble then he wins yeah. then he wins an oscar and he said that oh i thought we were always so we'll just shut up and dribble uh, what an awesome flex and j- just the ultimate between him michael jordan Derek jeter's in the world the rocks who are just these credible obviously athletes but incredible human beings to show the importance of pushing your limits going as far as you can and have that mentality to never fall down to always win. It's just, it hits home and we're never going to forget that. And um, another person who is like that, another person we've talked about often, man, another, this, this man, even though he's had, he's had quite a few last few years, still again, one of my biggest influences as a content creator, as a human being is Kanye West. Kanye West is, um, he's had quite the he's had quite the legacy lately, and but still one of the greatest c- creators of all time. Can you again, just like Kobe, can you talk to me about Kanye West? What he means to you, what he's provided, and what would you say to those people who have criticized him lately? I think everybody deserves criticism. Nobody is 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 infallible. Like I yeah. said, everybody is able to be critiqued just like lebron just like kobe just like michael they would criti- when michael's father died they're criticizing him you know yeah. when they so they're always there's always going to be people people oh what i was getting at was that there's there's a there's a version of unfair scrutiny and unfair critique yeah as i've advertised um kanye what would you have to say to those people who have kanye unfair scrutiny and I, I don't even know. <laughs> I really wouldn't. I really wouldn't know because you know, I, I, people always come at me because I, they know I still listen and respect and support Kanye West. So, same here. At some point, I don't, I don't really know what to tell anybody. It's, I think it's totally fine. It's, it's all right to to not like somebody. It's all right to not like Kanye West. There's nothing wrong with that. I just think that again to the theme that we were touching on is is listening to listening to certain narratives before digging deeper yourself. But mm-hmm. I could I could understand, like there's certain things he does and says that people don't agree with. And I think that's fine. It's just as simple as that. If yeah. you don't agree with him, then it's all good, whatever. If you don't like what he said, you have the right to not listen to him. All good. What's your favorite Kanye song? 
or some of your favorite Kanye songs? I, I can't even tell you. I like all his, there's like, there's more songs of his, you know what? I've been listening to, do you, do you ever hear any of his leaked, his leaked stuff that I like never released? Sometimes I have, it depends on it. I've heard a couple of unreleased tracks. Which one is there's this? A, I like, it's called Hurricane. That, that song is so fire. I haven't heard, that. wait, Hurricane. Actually, did he do that with 30 Seconds to Mars? Nah. No, okay. Nah. Um, yeah, I, I, I'll look that up as soon as I'm done here. But her, Kanye West Hurricane just goes hard. I, 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 there's a lot of his songs. I like Hurricane. I, mean, I love, I love all those albums, man. I, I really loved. Um, why can't I think of the the gospel album? I can't believe I'm blinking on it. Jesus, oh. Jesus from Jesus the King, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, college dropout. Graduation, 808s and Heartbase. I think Kanye's a great example of an artist reinventing himself. You ever notice, if you put all his albums together, they're all different colors. Just shows I like how, that. Yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. There's a great thing to have with it, and it just shows how he's evolved as an artist. And even if something gospel music that has such a specific audience, he really figured out a way to make it sound cool and mainstream and rap about Jesus. And it sounds not te- campy or nothing. It's just genuine great music. It's great. I, there, I've never heard a bad Kanye album, like ever. Never. All of his albums are fire. I, 808 was fire. Jesus is fire. Pablo is one of my favorite albums. I like all the albums. Jesus is King is great. Even the unreleased shit is fire. I got mad unreleased shit. <laughs> Hell yeah. And another one, just the last person I wanted to mention that's been a big deal in influence is Tupac Shakur. Yeah. Yo, actually, yo, bro, I got pee real bad again, man. All right, we can take a quick break with that. Like, I'll be two minutes. I, just, I drink a lot of water. You feel me? I feel you, bro. All right, we'll be right back with Gabe Mills. Water. I got to put my mask on to go to the bathroom, man. All right, we'll be right back. What's up? What's good? I'm great. I'm great. I'm great. And we're back with Gabe Mills. Gabe. But yeah, I would like to know. Tupac has been a major influence on you. Is that right? That's that's true, yes. Can you tell me the impact he made with you and your artistry and then as yourself personally and professionally? Tupac, he's... It seems to be a threat, but it's, it's, it's just true. He was also one of those people who allowed himself to be complicated. And as just human beings... One of the first points you made was that everybody is, has something interesting about them. Yeah. Nobody is a flat piece of paper. You know, we're like multifaceted layered. And there's a lot of parts to us of who we are. Pac embodies that. I embody that. A lot of people embody that. He was able to express that at a very high, unfiltered, raw level and cut straight to it. So seeing that again, there's times where, there's times where as an artist, you might be tempted to, you might have an idea, but you might be tempted to find a precedent to give yourself permission to be able to do the idea that you thought of. So you, you research and you find, if somebody else did this thing so that it validates that you're not tripping or it validates that you have 
someone to, to refer to, or when they ask you what this is about, you say, da -da -da -da, and Tupac said, or and this person said, and so it makes it sound that much better. <coughs> Sorry. That's the wrong way to do things, is what I was gonna say. But it's a, it's a temptation that I know a lot of artists have. Yeah. But what I will say though, there's that what's called the anxiety of influence, mm -hmm. where undeniably there's an influence that that we that other people have on us, especially the artists and the things that we respect, admire, listen to, surround ourselves in. At a certain point, you have to find who you are. Who's Gabriel in the crowd of Tupac, Kanye, Kobe Bryant? How do I individuate myself against the, the influences that I have? Where do I find me amongst all of that? Amongst all the things that you and I just discussed, all, yeah. amongst all, all the people, all my life experiences, who are you really if all we are is everything that you've been taught and everything that you've been around? Are you just your environment or where, where, where am I interjecting my own, my own individuality about who I am? It's a complicated thing, is what I'm getting at. So somebody like Pac or all the other people I listed, they contributed to my life in a way that we had a, a, a connection. There was a connection that I felt resonated with me. You know what I mean? And we had this relationship. Yes. And those are people who, I, who I'll keep close to me. It's like knowing who your family is, knowing, knowing who your lineage of artists are. Who helps no, you make you a better person? Yeah, yeah. You look at that for guidance, but you also, at a certain point, you say, that's what Pac would do, but I, I wouldn't do that. That's what Ye would do, but I wouldn't do that. That's what Kobe would do, but Gabriel would do something different. That's a but part of that originality. At, exactly. You look at those people as people who've done things that you respect and admire and say, that's them, and I respect it, and, but I, I, take, I take what I will from that, and I be me. So... Do you think that's how I feel a, about? Well, I'm just saying that's how you feel about like artists in general right now, or what was you saying? Is that how I feel about? No, no. I was just saying, what was you? What were you about to say? What was you? The end of your point? I remember, bro. Just go ahead. <laughs> I was just gonna ask. Do you think if for someone for someone we haven't mentioned yet, are there any artists right now, whether music, acting, painting, illustrating? That, that we haven't mentioned yet who are pretty good at creating their own image, creating their own message and being themselves that lot. Like if you ask me and you know, someone I've tried to put you on and emphasize Kendrick Lamar, I think is a great example of that. I think um, J Cole, very similar. I know those two are linked together in that sense. Uh, uh, do you think there's any other artists that again, we haven't mentioned that you think are actually doing the message you were um, preaching and creating their own identity and brand? Yeah, a lot of people are. I don't want to name any names, though, because there's the reason I don't want to name names is related to the idea of anxiety of influence that I just mentioned a second ago. The more and more I'll name the people who I respect, admire, the painters I think about, they just they're in my head so much. We pay rent. There's there's a cost for everything we do in life. And I pay oh. a cost. I pay a cost on my brain every day. And sometimes I pay the price 
of letting things in. I've been paying price on it for things to come in. And more and more each day, I cut the rent. I'm, I'm not, we, it's all, I'm kicking, I'm kicking people out of my head. It's not in my head no more. I respect it, it's all good, but I, this is in my head too much. So sometimes I'll be at the, the damn canvas and I'm painting, I'm like, oh shit. And then I start thinking of a painter that I, I like a lot. I'm like, oh man, this is, this is starting to get into that territory, but that's not what I want. So more and more I have to remove that. Those artists, they're, they're all great artists, but I don't, I don't want to name any names because of that reason. I think that's and a also, valid, valid point. Anybody listening might be apt to, to say, oh, since that person likes those artists, I'll look them up and maybe I should like those artists too. So mm-hmm. it's, it's very tough. I hear that. I hear that. Yo, man, just a few more things before I wrap it up. Yo, Gabe, one thing yeah. that's funny about you that we haven't mentioned already, switch topics, is uh, I think you're a good prankster. Would you consider yourself that, or at least you were at one point? Maybe you still are, but, or, or maybe that, that phase is done. What you mean prankster, bro? Like, you just like, like begging in the past, like do a prank, like whether when we used to prank phone call a certain spot or um, stuff like that. <laughs> Do you feel? Do you nah. feel? Do you feel? Do you Do you feel that that's accurate? I could be wrong with that. Do you think, or at least maybe there was a time where you were a prankster like that, or not? Look, I'm not gonna speak too much about that, but what I will say is that any phone call I made, <laughs> or any pizza I might have or might not have sent to anybody's house, that's what was supposed to happen, and I'm not putting no ladies, and that's it. <laughs> I'm the same way. I remember once I prank phone called a pizza place in like seventh grade. We picked this guy, ordered 20 pizzas, waited 10 minutes. Like, no, nah, we can't do this. Called the pizza place back. And the guy was, I just said, sorry, I can't do it. And the guy's like, you think it's a funny to call the pizza place? Yeah. Hung up on me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But as you said, no, no, that may or may not have happened. You'll plead the fifth to that one. Yes, it's not, it's, you know, it's all good. Was there any ever, like, a lighthearted prank you ever did? Or, like, I, uh, I, uh, I don't know. You ordered somebody on purpose. Nah, the thing is, everybody want to call me a prankster. But I'm not a prankster. People be pranking me. (laughs) People prank me, bro. Yo, one of my homies... He owed me like $200 every time I asked. He started dodging and ducking. <laughs> you know, thinking that's a game. You know, and then he made a whole rap song about how he, how he didn't pay me my Venmo. What? <laughs> 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 you made a diss track on how you get it. How he didn't pay my Venmos. I'm not the prankster, bro. People need it's a... The you know, narrative. Too many people think I'm the prankster. I'm not... I be getting pranked. But we not, you know what I'm saying? Because what? we get track. You know what I'm saying? See who want to pull a prank now. You feel me? I do. <laughs> uh, that I'm glad we made that a little more clear. And and thanks for being honest with the candor with that. <laughs> yeah. When was the last time you laughed really hard? Besides our conversation, or sometimes recently you were just started died laughing, or or in recent history, what was the last time? Or you could say the times that you laughed really hard at college with something I did or something like that. There's this guy. I'm a. You know, I'm gonna give you a list of these names. There's this guy. I don't know his name, but 
he he's an artist and there was somebody here giving a lecture and he was here at Yale giving a lecture about this artist. I don't remember his name. Mm-hmm. He was saying that he was like, yo, this is the most serious fucking guy. Like he has never, I've never even seen him smile. Oh, like he just keeps his like all the time. You could say mm-hmm. the most funniest thing to him, every situation he did. And, and then one day he asked him, he's like, yo bro, like, what's up? Like why you never, why, I'm never even seen crack a smile. Like what? Yeah. And the guy, he said, yo, he said, this world is so crazy and there's so many hilarious things in this world that are so sad and awful. If I start laughing, I will die. I will literally die of laughter. I'll never stop laughing. I don't mean to laugh you know? that, but like, dang. But yeah, there's a truth. There's, there's, there's a deep thing to it because if, if somebody, in order for somebody to laugh, there's... What what is the what is the what makes something funny? You know what I'm saying? Like what what makes something able for me to even be able to laugh so hard? There has to be maybe a partial truth to it, a partial reality, a part of escapism, a part of all of that mixed in with how much I'm laughing. Of course, I know that I laugh a lot. I laugh with my friends, mm-hmm. but stepping back and thinking about it for a second, what allows anything to be funny? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the backdrop of where comedy could happen is such a crazy world. So with that, I laugh pretty hard often. I, I don't Same know. Here. I find a lot. I find so many things. Right? That's a great sense of humor and, and stuff like that. I mean, hopefully I made you laugh a lot in college, I think. <laughs> it was driving me crazy. Bro, <laughs> you have me dying laughing and you have off. It was so much for you, man. <laughs> what an emotional roller coaster we bring. Well, for any time I upset you and made you sad or mad, I do apologize for that. No, it's all good. It's not even a thing. <laughs> but, um, dude, like, <laughs> between me, Brad, and Sam. <laughs> yeah. Shout outs to Brad. Shout outs to Sam. You have Sam on here yet? Not yet, man. He's 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 agreed, but I'm scheduling him. Try try to get him really really soon. I want to put a day on him, but he um he told me I know he'll do it. I asked him, you want to do the show? He's like, yo, I want to do your last show ever. I'm like, bro, we're gonna have to wait like 80 years for that. But I know that's just his way. He told me I had to get a publicist to agree. Then he told me I have to pay him. I'm like. So that's just his way of uh, having fun with me. But I'll have him on really soon. I ain't gonna front. Everything he said is true. Though. You, you know what I'm saying? That's how. That's 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 being very professional. You should have. To have. Pay. <laughs> Hell, bro, what? Yo, man. You know, I I didn't ask for no money because you my boy. I appreciate but some, that. I had asked to do some pot. If Joe Rogan or if somebody, right? Come on, you gotta cut some check. I you, you take it. <laughs> hours of my time. I, I gotta get this money. You see, I got a lot of payments I gotta work on. You know what I'm saying? You know, we gotta have we gotta have the right publicists writing about it. We gotta make sure it's marketed to the right mm-hmm. people. Blah blah blah. Yo, Sam is, is he's doing it right. What about the very last episode ever? <laughs> he said he'll be on the very last episode. Yo, he's smart because by that time you'll be even more popping. He'll be even more popping. So he's gonna get the most out of it, all of it. 
<laughs> I know Sam V and Sam, but he's gonna be he is a uh he's gonna be a great one. That's just his way of being that's just his way of talking to me with that. Yeah. The guy and Brad and Brandon Freeburg. Those are my buddies forever. Yeah, um, and um Seriously, shout-outs to them, especially. And then shout-outs to you, Gabe, and then Dre, and then Jake Campbell. Love you guys so yeah. much. I told Jake I would call him while I do this interview. <laughs> you want to do that? I got to call him real quick. Oh, my God. Let's get ready for that. So with that, I guess, introducing Jake Campbell on the Productive Conversations podcast. Hold on, wait. Okay, we'll wait for that. <laughs> All right. Did you invite him to be on the podcast? I haven't yet. I haven't yet. <laughs> Yo, you're a piece of shit, man. That's messed up. I'm waiting for him. You know. Yo, you know he's a Chiefs fan. He been oh, yeah. and he. Oh yeah, I know very well. Been before everybody before it was cool to be a Chiefs fan. Oh yeah, no, I do respect for that. That's like you and the Chargers, bro. Even though they're kind of ass this year. Yeah, I know, but you know, I told you a minute ago, I'm not. So I'm, I'm, I've been a Ravens fan and a Seahawks. I'm like a sports agent. So I represent <laughs> Seahawks, Chargers, Ravens. Jake didn't pick up. Do you want to leave a message? At the tone, please record your message. Leave a message, Matt. Recording, you may or press one for more options. All right. Now introducing Jake Campbell's voice message on the Productive Conversations podcast. Thank you for joining us, Jake. I hope you're doing well. I hope you are enjoying your very first appearance on the show. And uh, next time, answer it so you could join us and me and Gabe for a uh, time, for a great, great time. Yo, tell him, tell him why you ain't put him on the show yet. Why well, I haven't put it on the show, Jake Campbell. I have not asked Jake Campbell to join the Productive Conversations podcast. Why not? Simply, simply because I didn't think he would do it if I asked him. <laughs> That's my honest reason why. It, I, he is more than welcome to do it. That oh. is my genuine answer. <laughs> Jake, you are do. That's the only reason why I haven't asked you. You are more than welcome to join. We could have a lot of fun, especially with our movies and sports and all other stuff. But the only reason why I haven't asked Jake on the show is because I don't think he would have said yes. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. And um, well, this is his first appearance here, and hopefully, we'll wait for his first um, per- appearance when he's talking. My man Jake appeared in the fucking spirit. Yo, Jake, you the real deal, bro. I just wanted to make sure I call you while I'm on the podcast with Matt because I told you I would. And so, yeah, this was your time to shine. But Matt said he'll invite you. So I'm going to hold him to that word. We'll see how it goes. Please Have do. A good I'll talk to you soon, bro. Would you do one with him as well for the both of you in one show? Thank you. Oh, man. I got that. If we could get Dre too. Oh, man. I don't know if you want that. I'm telling you right now, it might get bad. With with Jake we Dre and have like our own conversation. Right. <laughs> well, that it's always op- I'm always open for those options. I really am. So uh, whether individually the two of us, the three of us, that would be a lot of fun. Got a lot of fun city trips and stuff. Hopefully, got to do that again really soon or wherever. I, I'm down to go to New Haven. You go ever get that New Haven pizza, bro? Is it as good as they say it is? I ain't on front. They got this vegan New Haven pizza that is fire. It's called. Yeah. I'm gonna tell you the name of it right. Now. It's called like the leg no or some shit like that. It's like the leg, they leg. I don't know. I'm gonna tell you right now. I'm typing on my. And did you figure the out leg the, no, the 
Delegna at Nolo. Delegna at Nolo. Okay, okay. Shout yeah. out to Delegna at Nolo. I'm going to tell you right now. Nah, it wasn't that. Fuck was it? Hold up. <laughs> nah. Did they get Yo, you know down? Huh? Did they get closed down? Nah, they didn't get closed down. I just don't remember the damn name. Hold on. I'm going to make a phone call real quick. Two seconds. Two seconds. Are they coming on the podcast too? If you want, hold on. Hey, if they want to. <laughs> Ain't nobody. Oh. Hello? Yo. What's up? Yo, you want, you want Matt Brown's podcast right now. I, I, I called you because I was telling him. I was telling him about. Wait, Matt, say hi. Hi, my name's Matt. Welcome to the Productive Conversations podcast. Thanks for joining us. How are you doing? I'm good. I feel like I'm getting like. <laughs> no, nah, this is real life. No, this is real. I'm not a prank. Matt just <laughs> talked about. Anyway, <laughs> Rachel, uh-huh. I was telling Matt about our experience at that whack-ass restaurant in Philadelphia. What's the name of it? It's not veg, is it? I want to say it's something like that, like one word. It was veg? Veg or something like that, pure veg. Like For that. real? Wait, I'm gonna I'm, I'm looking it up right now, but I couldn't, I can't. Right, I'm a, I have it saved. Is it pure whackness? The pure whackness. I, I want everybody to know, don't ever shop there, nothing. Mm-hmm. Hold on, wait, wait. It was called... It's veg, right? I'm, I'm looking it up right now. No, wasn't it? Oh, was it veg? I guess I didn't say that. It was called veg. I found it. Veg. Don't go to veg, everybody. Don't go there. In Philadelphia? Philadelphia. Yo, I hope this is the right restaurant, say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> huh? Like V-E-D-G. V-E-D-G. All right. All right. That's all we needed. Okay. <laughs> I'll, nice I'll talk to you later. Nice to meet you. Thanks for coming on. All right. Word. How about that? Is there anyone else we should call for the show? I'll call You got to get Yeah, I'd love to have on. Hold on, hold on. Loopy Lou. Loopy Lou. You got to have on the show, son. I'm telling you right now. I am with it, man. I got his info. We got, we call him real quick. And this is the last call I make, I promise. No worries, man. <laughs> Yo, right now you on, you on the podcast with me and Matt Brown. What's going on? To- Yo, my nigga, I was watching Power Rangers. <laughs> Yo, which Power Rangers? Which specifically? Bro, it was Goldar versus the Power Rangers. Was that the Mighty Morphin? Yeah, the Mighty Morphin. It's the only one that I know. Hey, Tommy's there. Tommy's the greatest Power Ranger. Tommy, Tommy's the greatest Power Ranger. Yo, how have you been, man? Welcome to Productive Conversations Podcast. What's going on? Yo, what's good, man? I'm, I'm on the podcast. Yo, shout out to all my viewers out there. Yo, Big Daddy Juice is out here. I'm doing my damn thing. I'm in Cali right now, Sacramento. You tell me? The oh. nigga's trying to mine cash quick, fast, in a hurry. 
fruit tart pies on my countertop. I'm looking real scary. Ooh, bars on bars, man. Where can we find your music again? Can you get that plug one more time in your content? Found my music on my laptop. <laughs> I did hear everything else good though of Sacramento. You're keeping busy, staying up. Staying up, bro. You know, I'm weed free. I've been weed free, alcohol free for a year now. Oh, congratulations, man. That's awesome to hear. Yeah, man. And you know, I'm halfway vegan. Halfway, all right. What um what half are you what are like, is there any food you're still eating? You're still about f- eating like fish or anything? You're getting ready to let go of that? Um, well, I really don't eat fish except the sushi. You okay. feel me? Yeah, yeah. You know, California roll, one of my favorites, you know? And the dragon, the dragon roll, one of my other favorites. I hear you, I hear you. Yo, quick question. Gabe said that, um... How you feel about the Knicks? Gabe said that my biggest flaw, one of my biggest flaws being a Knicks fan. That's crazy of him to say. I have to stay loyal to this team, right? Nigga, you a Knicks fan? Hell yeah. Oh, nigga, you done fucked up. That's That's what the fuck I told him. All the bad luck in his life is because of that. He has Knicks jerseys in his bedroom. Definitely. Knicks got bad energy, bro. But... I mean, I've, I I know you have experience. You checking out the Sacramento Kings there. I know it's tough, but we have to stay loyal to the day they're good again, right? Um, nah, bro. <laughs> it's an A and H, man. Sacramento Kings is trash too, bro. Yeah, the niggas wasn't good since Mike Bibby was there, and and all those guys. Mike that was Bibby. When, yeah, Bobby Jackson. Pages Stoyakovich, remember him? Uh, Chris Webber. Yeah, they was nice. They was competing with Kobe. They was competing. Yeah, but the now, refs helped him there. The refs cost yeah. them. Trash now. Hey, man. So, uh, legit on a podcast? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Podcast. No, for real. We're recording one right now. Oh, I'm on an interview? Yeah, so what's this, what's this podcast geared towards? Tell him. So the Productive Conversations podcast is me, Matt Brown, hosting it. And I go around my duty is to interview and have productive conversations with people of all walks of life and showing how interesting they are. Whether it's I've interviewed a drag, two drag queens, a refugee, the great Gabe Mills, the great Loopy Loop right now. Um, then we, ha- we have uh, I've interviewed professional sports reporters like Brian Schwartz out of ABC Virginia. Then I've also interviewed just my friend Brad and just showing uh, how interesting he is. And so pretty much it's just my way of creating content, not have a uh, gap in my resume. And I just like showing my creativity and showing off how cool regular people are. And then hopefully someday I can interview more high profile people and just show the human side of them, you know? Yo, Matt, I really like what you're doing, man. I think this is a nice little podcast you got going on. And I like that you are able to thoroughly explain to me what, what your podcast is about. That's a really good sign. Means um, a lot. Yeah, man, keep it up. Hey, man, and, and if um, you want to come on even beyond just the phone, we could do this over Zoom. I would love to have you on. And, uh, you know, I got your number and info. We could set something up in the near future. Yo, I definitely got you. Wait, yo, Fish, what's that? What's that thing that you're going to give me, the Indian soup? That's not it. Oh. Yeah, I'm going to buy this Indian soup. A what? That's true. 
Yo, bro. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So y'all gotta set this up. I wanted to call you, um, to throw you in there. I was shouting a couple of people out, but yeah, I think you should do this interview next time with with Matt. Y'all can set it up. Y'all got each other's contact. It'll be an interesting conversation. You know what I'm saying? So it'll be cool. Sure. And after that, eventually we could do one with the three of us too. After you and I talk, and then uh... yeah, us three could get on there too. That'll be good. Yeah, that shit would be lit, bro. Hell yeah, bro. I'm putting I'm marking you right down on my list right now. Um I'll be in touch extremely soon with that. Just uh have some more interviews that uh, I've scheduled, but I will get you in there. I promise. When I when you schedule my interview, I gotta make sure I get the Indian suit on. I'm trying to get the Indian suit and look why it's an all purple, all gold joint. And oh. uh when you introduce me, man, I gotta give you all my nicknames so that you properly introduce me. There's a mm-hmm. lot of there's a Please, please do, man. And, uh, bro, we've had some good times hanging out. You two helped make my 21st birthday, and it's been great to in touch and have you on here. It's, uh, man, you know I'm a big fan of you and and Gabe, and, and we'd always have fun. So it'd be it'd be an awesome time. Yo, bro, you can take me off this podcast for one second, bro. Take, All right, bro. Yeah, take it off right record here. All right, um. But with oh, you, that, this out, this part. Yeah, yeah, I want you to edit All right, this part. Edit this part out. Out. All right, right I will edit. I'm gonna. It's still record, but I'll edit this part right now. So we'll be right back. All right, so we're back. We and we had a little talk that definitely can't be on the pod, but it was definitely funny nonetheless. <laughs> but um, seriously though, Loopy Loop, and feel free the the other names. Uh, it was so great catching up, bro. We'll do this again real soon. You and me one-on-one. I have you in the list. I'll be in touch with in the next couple of weeks with that. And um, then after that, we could do one with you, me, and Gabe and uh, stuff like that. But is there anything else you want to say before we go? Yo, all I want to say to all the viewers out there, shout-out to my man, Matt Brown. Shout-out to my man, Truly. I'm going to get my man, Flea, on the podcast. And, um, yo, keep doing your thing, man. Keep hustling. Appreciate it, so much. Thank you so much, and I'll talk to you real soon. All right, bro. I'll holler at you. All right, man, man. All right, peace. Man, we're having some fun with this, bro. We've been killing it for almost three hours, bro. It's been nothing but a pleasure. But, man, we've been making podcast history, Gabe. Um, I just want to ask, just before we say goodbye, um, I really would love to hear your your views on this. It's called the Proust Questionnaire, bro. There's just these ten right, questions that are both um, they're quick, <clears throat> but they're deep. And if you don't mind me pulling it up, mm-hmm. and as I'm doing this again, if you want to check out Gabe's work, you could go check it out at gabemills.com or gabrielmills.com. Go to gabrielmills.com to check out his work. And if you want to reach out to him regarding his work as well, you can email him at gabrielmillsart, all one word, at gmail.com. Yes. All right. So the press questionnaire, Gabe, 10 questions, real deep. And uh, I'm ready when you are. You ready? Yeah, go ahead. This is going to be really, really great. So my first question, Gabe, what is your favorite word? Yes. Good. Good one. What's your least favorite word? (sighs) 
I have to say something. Truly, my favorite word is no. But mm-hmm. I had to, this week. I tried to switch it to say my favorite word is yes. Mm-hmm. My least favorite word probably would have been yes. But I just want to throw that in there. So what I will say is, favorite word, yes. Least favorite word <clears throat> is um a word. Yeah. Least favorite word. Um, you hate the word um. I like. Yes. Yo, this question is not a sexual question, but it's just more about learning. It's not, it's not. But my question to you is what turns you on? What turns you on in this world, Gabe? Was it being in the studio? Is it being around family and friends? Is it, what is it, what turns you on in this world? What's on? The sun turns you on. Yeah. All right. What turns you off? Carelessness. Wow. Really good one. Really, really good one. Oh, man. My next question to you, Gabe, is what sound or noise do you love? I like the sound of I don't know how to make I don't know how to describe it. I just know what it sounds like. All right. I can I can appreciate that. But you know, I'd say one of my favorite songs is by Brian Eno. It's called An Ending. That entire song is one of my favorite sounds. Okay. Respect to Brian Eno of the, um, who does, what's his claim to fame? I mean, obviously, besides being an artist, he was also, oh, no, never mind. I thought he was a, I thought he had like a connection with the Beatles or something, but I was wrong. Um, uh, he, with- he did work with him, right? No, he worked with a lot of people. I don't know if I doubt it, but he's worked with a lot of people. Okay, but the Brian Eno song is a sound or noise you love. What sound or noise do you hate? I hate phones. All right, good answer. You hate phones. And the sound of phones, I, I, I assume. Sound or noise of phones. Sweet, sweet. What's your favorite curse word? Give me a list. What do you consider curse words? <laughs> list of curse words. All right. Um, if you Google curse words, the, the words that come out, um, shit, fuck, asshole, dick, bitch, the C word, um, motherfucker, dick, Bullshit, cocksucker, twat, pussy, prick. I'm just, <laughs> sound bites will come from those, but those are some of the curse words, I guess. I don't like any of those words. My favorite, all right. Favorite curse word would be pass. Pass? Fuck the curse word pass. 
No, I'm passing the question. Okay. Let's pretend curse word is a pass. No, never mind. You're right. Okay. Well, whatever you want. This whatever. Go ahead. I don't care. No, no, you're right. You're right. It's your word. So we pass on that, which is totally fine. Now, my next question. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? There's a quote in the song called Rocket by the Smashing Pumpkins, which is one of my favorite songs. And in that song, they say, I miss me. I miss everything I'll never be. I've always loved that because I have, I have a lot of great life ambitions and i know that just the amount of time that we have on this earth there's just not enough time in one lifetime to give the love to everything i want to give the way it deserves so i would like to be an astronaut i'd like to be a doctor i'd like to do all these things so that's that's how you know the thing that i decided to do most i have such a great amount of passion for it to say i won't do all these other things that i have a lot of inspiration to do Everything is, it's just like being married. I'm married to the game. I'm married to painting. And it's just like being married. It's like, yo, I won't be with any other woman except for you. Everybody else is a dub. That's, I love you so much. That's how I feel about painting. So I really can't tell you. That's a beautiful answer. I like that. Um, is there, for the ninth question is, uh, what profession would you not like to do? My instinct was to say be president, but I, I don't want to even put that in the air only because I don't want to approach anything with fear. So if I was to say I don't want to do it, there's a sense of fear that I won't be able to do it to the best of my ability. Or if I was to say I don't want to be a race car driver because I might be scared to crash. I don't want to. I don't want to pass. Pass on that one too. Yeah. No worries. Okay. My last question, Gabe, and this in particular, um, this question in particular, I'm very, very interested to hear your your answer on this. So my last question before we wrap this up, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say to you when you arrive at the pearly gates? In the vision of the last judgment, they say when you arrive to the gates, when you arrive at the gates and you're getting ready to be judged, God will say to you, I was... I was hungry and you fed me. I was starving and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me water. I didn't have any clothes and you and you clothed me. And for that, you receive eternal paradise or whatever. And then <clears throat> on the contrary, they say, when I was starving, you turned the other way. When I needed water, you didn't help me at all. When I needed shelter, you didn't take me in. And for that, you are getting sentenced to eternal damnation. And they'll say, yo, what you talking about? I was, I, I never saw you in my life. What you talking about? And God will say, well, I am all of the people down there. Those are all my brothers and sisters. So if you turned your back to them, that means you turned your back against me too. So I am them. I am everybody. So with that, at the gates, there's the judgment of to judge your character. When I get up there, I would love for God to say, Gabriel, you did your best. And your best was exactly what I wanted, what I had in plan for you. So for that, you will receive paradise. Boy, that's one of the greatest answers to any of my questions on this podcast. Thank you for that, Gabe. And well, like I said, we've been at it for a long time. It felt like 20 minutes. I hope you've had a pleasure. 
um, had as much of a pleasure as I have. And is there anything you want to say before we say goodbye? Yeah, all I want to say is the way that we experience life right now is totally nonlinear. Everything happens in such complex terms. I say time ain't real often because the way that I experience a memory, the way that I'm talking to you right now, while I'm talking to you at the same time, I have like 10 other thoughts from 2012, 2013, 2017, 2016, all conjoined within one second of what we call time. The way we experience things is totally nonlinear. And to find my place in this world as just a simple being, is just not possible. We're not simple people. As simple as they like to make you or I or anybody seem, you're not. So what I'd like to say is just reject that notion and accept that you are complex and be, be open to expressing that in your work. And when I mean complex, I don't mean, that means something different for everybody. What it means to me is that I have a lot of interest. I have a lot of interest in different ways of working. I have interest of painting in a certain type of way. I have an interest in painting in multiple types of ways happening at the same time. And I know that could confuse people. But my, the premise of that is that this is how we experience life. We have so many images coming at, at us all the time, so many thoughts coming at us all the time. If you ever stop and just try to just learn how to breathe, Try to stop and learn how to experience the moment right now. How to stop and learn how to experience you drinking a, a gallon of water slowly, just only focusing on this. But the way that we do things, you drink the water, you put it down, you scroll on your phone, you know, you, you watch the porn hub, you jerk off, you, you, you know, you, you smoke a cigarette, you, you call your friend up, you talk shit, you gossip, you go back to work. Repent, repeat, recycle, blah, 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 blah. it's like so much distraction. So with all that, there's so many things in the way of us discovering who we really are. And there's so many things telling you who you're supposed to be. And there's so many things also people preaching that you, should, you shouldn't do this or you should do this or trying to bash you for being straight or trying to bash you for being gay or trying to bash you for being a white man. There's nothing wrong with being a white person. There's nothing wrong with being gay. There's nothing wrong with being black. If somebody is born as being straight, being white and being a man, why are you demonizing them for that? It's an absolutely, it's a beautiful thing. If I was, if I was, if I was born and I, I had the blessing to make it to this planet earth and I happened to be born by Jewish, Jewish parents into a Jewish family, I would be proud of that. If I was born to be in an in Arabic home, I would be proud of that. There's nothing wrong with being who you are. The problem is trying to put yourself above or below. And everybody's trying to do things to get us all confused. I'm saying define your world for yourself and respect others for who they are. And that's all I have to say. Those are some profound words that I will not forget, Gabe, seriously. And with that, it has been nothing but a pleasure. It really has. You know, I could compliment you all day, but Gabe, you mean a lot to me. You will have an extreme amount of my respect. And you are forever one of my biggest influences in this world. I love you, bro. I hope we can do this again. And thanks for everything, Gabe. Seriously, you deserve everything that comes your way. And you'll forever be an influence to so many people in this world. And you will make your mark. Absolutely. You too. Same. Likewise, brother. I love you. We'll catch up again soon. Can't wait for it with that. And again, you can check out Gabe's work. You go to GabrielMills.com to look at the amazing stuff he pulls off. If you want to reach out to him, that's 
reach out by emailing him at gabrielmillsart, one word, at gmail.com. With that, God bless you, Gabe. I'll talk to you real soon. And thanks for everything, brother. All right, bro. Peace. How about that, folks? Gabriel Mills giving this podcast and the audience amazing words of wisdom, a profound experience, and simply a fun, genuine time. Thank you so much, Gabe, for giving the time to come on this show. It really means a lot to me. I know it means a lot to the audience. You blessed us with some words that I will never forget. I truly mean that. So having said all of that, during the first week of 2021, we are going to have two podcasts this week. We will have a regularly scheduled one on Thursday, and then we're going to have one on Wednesday. Wednesday's episode, I have my amazing, beautiful, and awesome cousin Rachel on the show. That will be on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, we have a very honest and meaningful conversation with my amazing friend Julie Weiss. And yeah, some amazing guests to start off the show. We have plenty of great things in store in the next coming up and coming weeks. But with all of that, I'd like to thank my guest Gabe Mills for coming on the Productive Conversations podcast and giving us an experience of a lifetime, listening to his wisdom and giving just incredible content. I'd like to thank you, the audience, for tuning in. You have a special place in my heart. You are the greatest people in the world. And thank you so much for supporting me in this endeavor. And just, I hope everybody has a great first week of 2021. Set the tone, do it right, and go far in this world. I believe you can. And with that, my name is Matt Brown. I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. And I will see you again in 48 hours for a special edition of the show on Wednesday. So, so long, farewell, and I will see you all again really, really soon. Peace! You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.